shotglassdigital.com. The last thing we want is a war. Unless it's Secret Wars with my friend Scott Rifen on this, your safe place to geek out. This is the Geek Out Loud Podcast. Again, everyone, and welcome to Geek Out Loud, your safe place to geek out on the internet. My name's Steve Glosson. So glad to be along with you on basically what's been Goal Week, the Christmas week, and uh, Christmas week. It's Christmas time. It's like Elmer Fudd Christmas week. Um, we, uh, I have unplugged my headphones, but that's fine. Um, and uh, we've just been doing some Geek Out Loud this week, and so much. I'm so excited about this episode. I forgot to pull up any of my pre-show stuff to uh, to make sure that I knew everything. So I'm going to, maybe later on in the show, I'll throw up a featured Patreon supporter. But I do want to say a huge thank you to everyone who supports us at Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash geekoutloud. Looking forward to next week. We'll be sitting down because I am off work next week and getting that Avengers commentary out to you Patreon supporters early. Uh, that's for the $5 level or more. We'll be getting that to you. And uh, looking forward to doing that. I've been having a blast going through these Marvel movies, and uh, Avengers is no different. It's one of my favorite superhero movies of all time. There are Amazon links at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com. How about that stuff right there? You can use those links to do your shopping with all your cool Amazon gift cards you got for Christmas. If you'll click on those links at the site before you head over to Amazon, uh, it really helps the show out. It doesn't cost you an extra dime at all. But you help the shows out in a big, bad way. And I thank everyone who's done that. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you. Now, let's bring this guy in because I'm excited to have... We've had a little pre-show chat, which I'm sure will be stuck on at the end of the show, which always causes a a, a, a rip in the space-time continuum. But that's fine. Uh, he is a celebrity of local status in Brunswick, Georgia. He is uh, that's it. radio personality, actor, onstage actor... <laughs> <laughs> podcaster and good friend scott rife and scott welcome back to geek out loud man steve thank you i mean it's almost like you're vying for the co-hosting position <laughs> now why would you say that i'm just i mean because r- rarely do i get the same person in studio within two or three months I, of i just you know we, we've been talking about doing secret wars for a while i'm excited by the way I, I, me too and uh, it just, it doesn't make any sense to me. We live so close to each other to Skype it. You know, it's like right. it, we live almost next door to each other. 
That's true. Well, it's not. It's not a bad. I mean, and even it's an hour and a half. I mean, you know, I I drove over and you were you guys were super kind to me. You took me to a very super expensive meal for dinner for geeks. Oh, I forgot about um, that. Yeah, well, yeah, I you owe me big time. I do. I do. <laughs> well, I feel like having the company I had to spend time with kind of made up for. It. <laughs> I think I'm about to go. No, I'm not. So, uh, yeah, you're, yeah, you, uh, you were a fantastic guest on Dinner for Geeks, and not many people can jump into that shark tank like you did and swim as well as you did. Well, it was fun. It was just fun hanging with those guys. It's a, mm-hmm. it, because you don't, I, I don't have the friend. I, I have friends, um, but I don't have the friends that can just sit around and talk whatever and bounce mm-hmm. from topic to topic, whether it's Star Wars, old school toys, breakfast cereal, candy. You name it, I don't have the friends that we just sit around and start doing that stuff. It's like the conversation we had to start out dinner tonight that mm-hmm. we probably should have had a recorder on. Yeah. When it was like, now, wait a minute, why did they do episodes one, two, and three after they did <laughs> episodes four, five, and six? And what's this new stuff? That's usually what my geek conversation with friends are. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it, it was a really cool, and I love yeah. listening to you guys' Christmas show. Because wow. you ended up in y'all's gift exchange. Yes. Now, because it's an audio medium, audio medium, I wasn't able to see. You know, you you, des- you guys described it to me. Did you find actual catalogs? I, yeah, I tried to get them to say as much as possible, sure, descriptively, but it doesn't always work. Were they? But well, I guess I, my question is: Was I, it actual catalog, old Christmas? I catalogs? went to eBay and I bought real, honest to goodness, genuine old Christmas wow. catalogs. Yeah, nineteen seventy four. Yep, nineteen eighty three. Yep. And where was Ron's from? Who knows? Okay. No, it was 82. 82. 82. Yeah. So so you had some good Star Wars stuff in there. You got Ryan yeah. 74 because of all the G.I. Joe, you yeah. said. Well, I, I gave, let me say that. I gave, Here's the thing. I went on eBay, and mm-hmm. I kept bidding. There's a certain, certain amounts of money I ain't spending on sure, those guys. Sure, sure. Well, anybody. So you go on eBay, and you start bidding, and you go, oh, I'd love to get that for Ryan. Oh, never mind. You know, it gets to that <laughs> point. You go, oh, never really? mind. Really? On a yeah. catalog? Yeah. Yeah, wow. yeah. I, well, they're not they're not going to listen to this. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, wait. I thought Ryan listened. Now my feelings are yeah, up. Ryan does listen. Ron friended me on Facebook, for crying out Ron's loud. Ron's a phony. Uh, Jeff but, friended me on Facebook. Jeff's a double phony. <laughs> they, they, yeah, Ron will probably listen. Ryan will listen. Jeff's got his own life. Okay. Um, Jeff's got you. too much to do. Yeah, between you and me. And if you want to bleep it, you can bleep it. Okay. Uh, none of those catalogs cost me under thirty dollars. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm I'm about to eBay some right okay. now. That's okay. what that's what I'm doing. I'm letting me eBay eBay, eBay that for you. <laughs> what which one was the Wish Book? Sears? Uh, Sears. Sears was Wish Book. Yeah, and you got to get the old ones. I mean, the '90s ones are. See, look at there. Twenty nine ninety nine for 81. Sears nineteen eighty one. Yep, that'd be a good one to have. Wow, too, that would that's be gonna that's, that's going to be full on Empire probably, Star Wars. That's probably going to have Cloud City in it too, as the exclusive. Oh yes, I had that by the way. Yeah, me too, as a kid. But yes. because it was nothing but a fold-up piece of cardboard <laughs> with some little white pegs to stick the. It's gone. Didn't I mean, last it's just long, did yeah, it? no, 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 not at all. That's one thing I search eBay for religiously is the uh, the Cantina and the Cloud City place. Particularly the Cloud City place because I loved it. So you mean much. the exclusive Cantina? The exclusive place Cantina. The, place the, the Sears exclusive. Now, Excuse what me, was the Cantina the Adventure place? At? You know, what was the difference between that one and what I've got on that table over there? Uh, what do you have on the table over on the other side of the? Oh, Imperial well, Shuttle. that's the can. That's the. You know what the difference is. I really don't. You don't? No. Oh, the Cantina Adventure. Well, you you have the Creature Cantina, okay. which you're pointing to over there. Right. Mm-hmm. And the Creature Cantina is a molded plastic base mm-hmm. with the bar and right. a little nook yes. so that Solo can shoot Greedo. That's right. 
at first. And uh, it, it had a first. door frame. Do you have your doorway? Yeah, it's over okay. there. It's and all it's, there. And a little cardboard backdrop. Yeah, it's complete. Mm-hmm. There's nothing plastic about the Cantina. Okay, so it's there. just like the Cloud City thing. Yeah. It's a fold-out cardboard it, thing. It, it, yeah, and it's an exterior of the Cantina. It's not mm-hmm. an interior. Because I don't remember that at all. I just knew I had blue snaggletooth all my life. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. So that's... It's, it's less 3D and less interactive than the Cloud City set. Really? Yeah. It's, it's just a flat backdrop that folds into... Uh, a floor, basically. Huh. And that's it. Way to go, Sears and Kenner. <laughs> well, again, as I said, I think at the time when we were talking about it on, on I forget whose show I was talking about mm. at that point. Oh, no, making, uh, growing up Star Wars. Yeah. We were talking about it. Um, and it really, all it was was an action figure delivery system. Right, right. And the price, I mean, you look at the price of the playset, it's basically the price of three or four figures. What came then. with it? You had the blue snaggletooth, which is the one that everyone looks for nowadays. Yeah. Did you have Greedo? Yeah, Greedo. Hammerhead? Yep. And Walrus Man? Yep. Okay. That was it. There and they go. were not available anywhere else. That's really? all you Really? At the yeah. time, they weren't available anywhere Yeah. Else. That was why you were so hot to get it. Yeah. Mom, look, this is a... You can't get these figures anywhere else. You got to get them here. And so, then, of course, Mom doesn't get it for you. I mentioned on a previous episode, not it, and I feel like it might have been this week. Maybe it was last week. My sister, I used to, as a little bitty tyke, she's like five years older than me. Mm-hmm. And I would take her characters like Hammerhead. Mm-hmm. And I would say, is he a good guy or a bad guy? I did. I heard you talking about and, that. And she'd say, well, he's not really either. And I'm like, that's impossible. Yeah, he's got a gun. He's a good guy or a bad guy. Yeah. And um, and I just always assumed he was a bad guy. And then later on, years later, with Tales from the Moss Eisley Canteen, you found out Mamal Nadan is uh, actually a good guy. Most Athorians are apparently pretty nice people. <laughs> don't get me started. Don't get me started. I'm like, I'm like an EU defender. Yeah. But I will rip it to shreds at the same time of right, defending right. it. Right, right. It's like, it's weird because I did love it. And it wasn't a hate love either. Mm. You know, but it, I loved it to, to a point. Yeah, but certain aspects of it drove me nuts. Dude, the new Jedi Order just wore me out. When, See, when I, they got into the Yuzhan Vong invasion and everything, that's when it wore me out. I'll, I'll read those one day. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long series. I, I buy like eight or nine books You've for every got, one I read. Yeah, so. I had the opportunity to see... <laughs> Your library, yes, at your house, which is bookshelves that are stacked like three deep, yes, and it's all geek material, <laughs> yes, yes, it is. It's all uh, it's DC showcases, Marvel visionary set, and Star Wars, Marvel Essentials, yes. Marvel Essentials. I have, I have that's every, what it was. There's, I only have. There's only one Marvel Essential I don't have, which is Conan. Okay, because they lost you don't the rights care? early. No, I care. Oh, okay. obviously I care. Oh, Steve. well, I mean, I didn't know if you didn't. No, no. What it is is, even if I don't, I mean, I bought Dazzler for crying out loud. It's, even if I don't care, I'm anal completist. They uh, they've brought her back around, haven't they? A little yes, bit, or they, they did during the yes. AVX stuff. I know she was around. Yeah. They were but out. Uh, I I got all the only they lost the rights to the Robert E. Howard estate. You know, okay. Uh, early on, after they published like the first edition of it. And so I never did get another one. You could only, you know you could find them on eBay for forty bucks, but I wasn't going to pay that for it. And I knew you could get a better looking reprint out of Dark Horse of that same exact material. Right, so right. It, it does chafe at me still just a little bit, or I wouldn't even have mentioned it. Sure, right now, right. I have like one hundred and seventy five Marvel. There's, I mean, there's a ton of them. Yeah, yeah, like I just wanted to sit down and like start plowing through your Hulk stuff and everything. It's all any, there. It was like I was like, you guys go to dinner. I'll sit here and read, <laughs> or be that kid that takes the book to dinner with them. You know, we've all been that that kid. <laughs> Uh, so. Still that kid. <laughs> there you go. Indeed. Um, but man, I was listening to you guys talk to those catalogs. And, oh, yeah. And you guys have, I'm sorry, you've struck gold. 
Uh-oh. With with the bit you were doing, as far as your price is right oh. on those things, <laughs> I felt yeah. like I felt like there wasn't enough of that, and I felt like someone needed to come in and do an actual, you know, kind of Bob Barker game, and like have you guys a prize for the one who wins the most. Well, you know, I I did an episode where I gave them a prize, and I did it. I went to old catalogs. I went. I did it on the web. I didn't mm-hmm. do it with the real catalogs yeah. in person. I actually made a little PowerPoint for them. Are you serious? Yeah, to put it up on oh, the nice. table. As we were doing it. I feel like they don't appreciate you enough, Scott. <laughs> you think? <laughs> I feel like of all the people that shouldn't be given a hard time at that table. <laughs> but yet, somehow. Now I, I, you know, I bring every bit of scorn and derision I get on that program. <laughs> I bring on myself. I know that. I'm aware of that. Let's see. That's, Dinner for Geeks is what we're talking about, guys. Yeah. If you haven't listened to that podcast, go check it out. It literally is four guys, sometimes three, sitting around <laughs> just having dinner. You hear what they order and everything, and uh, and just talking the geek stuff that they're, that's come up over the week, or sometimes it's not even that. Sometimes it's just whatever's been on your mind or what you've watched lately, that sort of thing. And um, you got you got Scott, who is the professional broadcaster. You've got Ryan, who's deep into toys, man. For as, for as much as he talks about not being into like some of the collecting stuff anymore, he's uh, he's a toy expert i would say yeah he's he's full of baloney when he talks about not being into that stuff um, he's he's and, all over it and you got jeff who i can't really pinpoint the source of his geekdom he seems more like an 80s kind of pop culture guy but you guys grew up together didn't you yes okay and he was two years younger okay so whatever i said hey this is cool he went yes it is so it's still to this day <laughs> to this day <laughs> and then there's ron yeah just ron just ron he's kind of he's mean but <laughs> He was mean the other night he when was, you were there. He was. I found out afterwards. He insisted to me afterwards he didn't have a thing to drink. He was drinking while we were there. <laughs> just he said he didn't Did he drink so much that he forgot? <laughs> I don't know, but you know that's... I got to come back to Brunswick. I got to sit down. Well, you guys need to have an intervention. That needs to be one night. You're, you guys do an intervention. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll, I'll I'll air that. You, yeah. You, oh, that'd we, be amazing. We dear, actually, dear Ron, this is how you've hurt me. I, I will tell you this, and again, because I don't know who's going to listen, I don't really care. Um, at one point, there were between two of them, and I'm not going to say who. Right. Between two of the geeks, there was developing some serious personal stuff. Yeah. And we they actually were falling, they were falling in love. Well, <laughs> no, it's the opposite. Oh, they were okay. All falling right. out of love. Gotcha. And we were at some point considering, you know what? Let's just when they when they just have their blow up, let's do it on the show. That'd be great. And just have one of them one of them leaves the show and that's it. And it happens right there on the show. And it all got worked out. Oh, that's, so, that's unfortunate. It's a shame. Yeah, I know. Well, but dudes can work it out though. Yeah. Dudes can work stuff out. Dudes can work, you know. Out. Dudes dudes are I mean, I don't I don't mean to call out the ladies the day after Christmas, but guys are a lot better at working stuff out yeah. a lot of times than the ladies are. They don't kind of hold on to stuff that if they get it out in the open and it's aired out, then it really does air out. They're like, "Okay, we're mm-hmm. good." You know, man, you might not say you might say, well, "I don't really care for that guy much anymore, but I'm not you yeah, know, I'm I not thought, against working with him." I thought we were going to have an on-air beatdown. That would have been amazing. And, would, and I was ready to roll too. That I was ready to been, run it. Incredible. Yeah, but it just didn't happen. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Let's make it happen. Let's do it. In just, wrestling, we call it a work. Let's, ah, <laughs> ah, okay. let's, let's just make it a work, you know, okay. stage it yep. and uh and, and have a real smackdown. Okay. And I'll come in and referee or either ooh, I can come in as 
the surprise. Well, no, what I can do is is come in at the end mm. as a surprise entrant and just hit someone over the head with a chair. Oh wow! Yeah, and be like, "My God Almighty, he's broken in half." That kind of. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> you can sit there and you can be like, "Good God, it's Steve Glosson. Steve Glosson has come in. What's he doing here? Who expected this?" <laughs> What? <laughs> then you you bust one of them up, and then you assume the chair. That's right. At the end of it. That's right. I, and I'll sit down with the great Roddy Piper line. I've come here to chew bubble gum and kick butt, and I'm all out of bubble gum. Why do you? What's wrong with that? That's a great line. I, that was the first movie that I ever went to and harassed, and the because it just. Oh come on now, was. just come on. Uh, one of the greatest fight scenes of all time. You mean? Great and long are now synonyms. Is that correct? Yes, it's great because it was so long. It's that movie. They live is what I'm talking about. For those yes, of you who don't know, um, that movie is one of those movies that I watch and I'm like, I know it's not the best thing in the world. I know, but it's like I just have fun watching it. I just before I knew what a mystery science theater was, mm-hmm. I did it. You to were that doing that movie the, in the theater. Really? Yes. Really. I see. I dig it. I, it's not again. I don't even own it, but if it's on, I'll watch it. It's that kind of thing, you know. And then in that fight scene, I just start laughing yeah, about midway laugh. through because it's like it's it, over. But no, it's not. It no, not it's not. End. And the fight is all about put the sunglasses on. Yes. That's what's so great about it. Just put the glasses on. <laughs> I think that's what we were yelling at the screen yeah. at the time. Just, just put them on. <laughs> but I'm sorry. That line when he walks in that bank and he's like, I have come here to chew bubble gum and. You know it's a great line. Say it to Rowdy Roddy Piper's face. <laughs> you mean Sam Hell? Yeah, Hell comes to Frogtown. That's right. <laughs> he likes to make fun of that too. Rowdy Roddy Piper has become one of my favorite podcasting personalities. Really? Yeah. He's he's not that great at it, but he's so he's so genuine and so sincere with what he says, and that's, that's really what it best. comes down to. Yeah. And uh, and and you just come away just respecting the guy for everything that he's done and everything he's been through in his life. And he just has fun, you know, and he loves people. He's just a nice guy. So That's good. I just want to get it out there. I love Rowdy Roddy Piper. I, in the wrestling business, we you know would what? say I'm a mark for Rowdy Roddy Piper. I'm not going to judge. Well, I'm glad. I'm not going to judge. There's no judgment. There's no need to. No. You were at, how did Jekyll Con go? Jekyll Con was, I hesitate to say this, but it's true. It was awesome. What now? What awesome. was. Awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> what went on? How? I mean, I it snuck up on me. I'd completely forgotten about it in. It was there was a it was a really good uh, floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were panels in two panel rooms all day long. We had to go after Jim Jenkins, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate for us. Jim Jenkins is the creator of Doug, yeah. and PB and J Otter. And, wow, uh, yeah, wow, that's big talent right there. Well, he he lives in Brunswick. Actually, we went to a Christmas party at his house last week. Oh well, uh, the yeah. Brunswick celebrity Scott Rifen, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. We were doing a hey. show. We were doing a show that night. So he we did you know. Back-to-back panels, and then we were both on stage together doing It's a Wonderful Life that night. Rubbing elbows with the creator yes. of Doug. <laughs> now, Jim's awesome, but he is awesome in life, and he is awesome on stage. Mm-hmm. And so he was giving a panel, and he was magnificent. He was magical is what yeah. he was. Yeah. And then we came out and was like, hey, what are we going to talk about? I don't know. Is that, why, is that why one of your co-hosts was so freaked out? Yeah, Ryan was. Ryan, mm-hmm. but, but Ryan, it's funny because Ryan is the one who always says, I don't want to be on stage. I don't want to have my picture taken. I don't want to be in front of a camera. I don't want exposure. I don't want to be known. And then he goes, hey, let's go in front of a crowd. You know, these, they're always his idea. Right. And hey, it, let's go do this. It's like he doesn't think through. 
Yeah. Well, the the yeah. ramifications. Hello. He yeah. didn't think through his sentences. What? So. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so what was your guys' panel? What did you guys... I mean, do you were you just basically doing Dinner for Geeks episode? Well, kinda? let me tell you what happened. We did... A year ago, a year and a half ago, we did a Dinner for Geeks episode at a convention panel. Mm-hmm. And... I, I literally showed up and we sat down and, and ate and recorded it, had the conversation like we normally would. Yeah. And I think two people showed up that okay. that uh, we weren't related to. All right. And they both came in and went, is this where they're serving the dinner for geeks? No. Nice. Like, no, this is not what it is. So this time I said, we're not going to do an episode. I don't want to do it. And really, the original scheduling was I was going to do my Marvel Star Wars presentation, okay. which is called Marvel Star Wars. It ain't just a big green rabbit. Oh. So, I've got a nice PowerPoint for it. And did you do that? No. Oh. Because I do that with uh, Scott Gardner, Two True Freaks, and uh, Bill Robinson. Right. And neither of them was available. So then I said, hey, Steve Glosson, how would you like to come sit (sighs) in on a Marvel Star I would have loved it. I would have loved the exposure for the show. And I just, I forgot all about Jekyll Khan being... You turned me down. I don't say it like that. Well, you did. I mean, but you act like I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Well... You just said, well, I don't think I'm qualified or something I'm like not, that. I'm not. I'm not qualified enough to sit and talk Star Wars comics. Well, I'm, as, as much as I ha- I'm loath to admit that, mm-hmm. I, I'm not as well-versed in the comics as I'd like to be. The Marvel Star Wars stuff, it's a neat presentation. Uh, I will do it one day for someone else. Yeah. We did it down in, in Orlando, and it went off well. Well, go ahead. Do it now. I'll describe no, the slides <laughs> to everybody. <laughs> I can't get on your Wi-Fi, so oh, I can't. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, let me slip okay. you that password there let me scribble that for you i don't know why i'm i don't care it's <laughs> somebody's gonna drive over yeah, here someone's gonna drive from way out of town it's uh it, it's <laughs> it's not capitalizing yeah so um, that should that should get you in there buddy it it did and so i, I the one of the guys organizing the con was one of my co-workers mm-hmm. and he's we really need you to do a panel because I was going to go. Well, you know what? Never mind. I'm not going to do it. And then I thought, well, I'll just do Star Wars, Marvel Star Wars by myself. Right. But then Ryan stepped in. And, well, we need to do something. We the dinner for geeks needs to do something. And I said, okay, what do you want to do? I don't know, but we need to do something. I said, okay, fine. You know what? We're just going to go out there and freeform it. So so we went and freeformed it. Okay. And how'd that go? Well, it depends on who you ask. You thought it went fine. I thought it was fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we were we riffed. <clears throat> yeah. We were entertaining. Was there was got there a lot dead of laughs. was there dead time? Not really. Good. That's all you want. Um. Yeah. You got laughs. Yeah. That's all. You, that's all you can ask for. Uh, we had a couple people leave, but we had a couple people come in. So right. I think we netted out about the same. Okay. Uh, but you know, we were also following Jim Jenkins. And again, Jim Jenkins was just magical. Yeah, I should have so. been there to help you follow Jim Jenkins. You should have been there. You could yeah. have helped us get over that hump. It snuck up on me in a big, bad it, way. Next time we have one of these cons, you, you can do two things. One, you can do a Steve Glosson thing. Yeah. But also, you can show up at the Dinner for Geeks thing and tell everybody you're Ryan. Oh. So, that would Okay. That would I'll help do that. us out. Yeah, yeah. And, and the other thing is, Ryan showed up looking like a homeless guy. Well, <laughs> to be fair, I just thought that was his style. Yeah, the, the skull cap on yeah. the... Thing yeah. and they, he looked like he looked now wait like, a minute that's that's due to his religion the skull cap no thing. it's not due to his religion he, <laughs> he has was, no religion was, you said he was a Jew on your last episode did I say that yeah I don't know and he's I like I am yeah I am oh that's right yes yeah. he did I was that. listening yes uh, I'm just kidding though by the way that's listen I thought that the homeless look was just his style no based on well, like the last time I hung out with you guys 
But when you're going in front of people, you I expect understand. to be a little you course. Wanna, you want to spruce up a bit. Spruce up like I do with my Dinner for Geeks t-shirt. Well, so. that's fine, though. You you were promoting. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with promotion. No. Love saying, I love shameless promotion. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of it. Oh, the, um, whole, the whole panel was nothing but shameless promotion. And that's all, that's all it needs to be. Yeah. So and and it was well it ended up being well attended the the con yeah. yeah yeah the con was the con was through the roof I couldn't believe it are they and they are going to do one next year yes they I need have to reach to. out to them and get on a panel or something yeah. I need to uh, I'll so put that I can put it in my so I can put it in my calendar and and be good to go no they they um, they're working on it right now I'm, I'm told that they have a sponsor who's already covered seventy percent of the. One sponsor has covered 70% of the rental fee for the convention center. Mm-hmm. This is not, I mean, you've seen this convention center. Yeah, uh, yeah. People listening think that they're at a Holiday Inn in like three rooms where there's a banquet normally. Right. And this, this is the Jekyll Island Convention Center. It's a $50 million massive facility. Mm-hmm. And they did a good job of filling it up. It good. Was, yeah, good. it was, it was well, fantastic. The first ever comic book convention Dink, dink. That's my quote fingers that I ever went to was on Jekyll Island. Oh, not not one of the Gary cons. At a Holiday Inn kind of motel over there. <laughs> and it was just a dealer room was all yeah. it was. It was yeah. just a big dealer room. They had a good dealer floor. Yeah. and um, But it was, you know, and it was cool. I, you know, I was a kid. Uh, some guy dollared me to death on a bunch of old comics, but I was, but that was fine because, yeah. you know, cover price on comics those days was a dollar, and I was buying comics from the late '60s that you know he was selling me for a dollar a piece, and I just thought well, this is super cool, man. Yeah. This is BA. This is 1960s. That was so long ago. Now, I look and I'm like, well, it's 20 years ago. 20 years ago, I was a junior. Not that long. Ago. 20 years, not that big, <laughs> no. not that great distance not of anymore. time. No. But uh, but yeah, it was you know it was a neat experience for me as a kid. Yeah. You know to go that, but I think it was what you may be calling a Gary Con. I don't know who put it together. I think but, Gary probably did. But uh, there were several dealers there, and that's all it was was dealing. They did like some door prizes and that sort of thing. But nice. um, but I'm I you know I I was in Douglas of all places where I work. And they've got a little shop there. They call it Empire Games, and they're more about the gaming side of things than anything else. But they've got a couple of long boxes of comics that, you know, I would never buy from. Yeah, because they're just bratty. Yes, um, a lot of new universe stuff. I'm sure in there. Yeah, well, no, it's just a, it's a big plethora of stuff. Oh, okay. But it's all in bad shape, and there's no order to it. It's you like could some, probably get every issue of Kickers Incorporated out of there. You might be able to. But he has, he'll, you'll be able to find some surprisingly decent Star Wars stuff from the guy. Ah. And so I went in the other day. I'm like, you know what? I got some spare time. I got a little spare cha-ching. I'm going to go in and see if he's got anything. So I walk in. I'm like, hey, man, I uh, just want to see what you got in the way of Star Wars. He's like, it's all packed up for the con. I'm like, oh, yeah, the Jekyll con? He's like, yeah, you headed there? I'm like, you know, it snuck up on me and I completely forgot about it. And I've already been booked up this weekend. So. Mm. I'm not going, but they were there. Empire Games from Douglas, Georgia. I seem, I seem to recall that name. It, yeah. It's in a kind of a Star Wars font is Empire Games. And yeah. They use the Imperial Cog as their background. That's what drew me to it. I'm like, what is this doing in Douglas, Georgia? So. <laughs> it was, but yeah, there, there were, I, I couldn't believe how many people were there. Yeah. Uh, and I really had low expectations for this thing. Mm-hmm. And there was just a steady stream of people. So much so that we brought a bunch of Dinner for Geeks stickers to give out. We mm-hmm. ran out of stickers early. Good. Early. That's good. So Now, did was there any cosplay going on? Yes, okay. it was cosplay galore. So this is like the Dragon Con people coming south. Um, yeah, the, they, we had a five hundred first out of Savannah. Oh, cool! Who were there? Good. And, they, and they brought a Chewy, and Chewy was a chick. How does Chewy that work? Chewy was a chick. How does that work? I don't know. It was like Chewy's walking around. Oh, there's Chewy! Great, great! And then all of a sudden, Chewy takes the head off. Which, by the way, don't ever fi- take five hundred first people. I don't yeah. think you should do that. Take your Chewy head off. Yeah. Well, what is Chewy doing in the five hundred first? Now that's more of a Rebel Legion character than a five hundred first. Mm. 
Don't ask me. I just know that there was a Chewy there with the five of first. Well, people. we need to. I need to talk to. Samantha maybe he was a prisoner. First. Maybe. Oh, maybe Chewy. But, uh, Chewy and binders, as it were. Yeah, but uh, uh, Chewy took his head off. Which again, I advise against that. Mm-hmm. It's like if you go to Disney World, you don't see Mickey on a smoke break taking his hat off. No, you know, his I, helmet. Off, no, his head. No. Off. Mm-hmm. So no. Same thing to me. Well, the the troopers and stuff, I don't mind. So much when they do it because yeah. I because if you've ever been down to Orlando to Star Wars Celebration and and just seen those guys pulled off and just see the sweat pouring out, you're like, yeah, they really need to get yeah, out. Yeah, well, that's it. well, they need to go off stage though and do it. Well, I think I'm okay. Go with off it. stage. I'm okay with it. it I don't want to see you with the guys. Them. I don't want to see Chewie with his head off. I definitely don't want to see that. the troopers. I don't mind, but I don't want to see Chewie take his head off. Nobody going to get Chewie with his head off now. Mm, I. It's sad to me. It's just sad. <laughs> Poor Chewie. Good looking Chewie though. We may see Chewie. Spoiler alert: with his arm off. That's true. That is very true. So that's a year from now, though. Yes. Uh, now, let me ask you that. I had a, a little bone to pick with you. Oh, good. Uh, the other day. I've got several. <laughs> the other day, you called me a Muppet snob. Yes. That's the bone I had to pick with you. You're a Muppet snob. <laughs> that was the bone you had to pick with me. <laughs> One of many. <laughs> now, and and this seems to and that this must be why you were telling me that Jeff is your favorite of the dinner for geeks too because he will defend Muppets Take Manhattan. Does this does my Muppet snobbery in your opinion all stem from the fact that I don't care for Muppets Take Manhattan? It's not that you don't care for it; it's that you trashed it when you texted me about it. <laughs> you said it leaves you feeling empty. It does leave me feeling. <laughs> why? It's you know here's. So much good came out of Muppets Take Manhattan. In two, did I ever tell you my, my Frank Oz story? Mm-mm. 2002. Mm-hmm. Episode 2 is getting ready to come out. Right. Michael it's Medved. Attack of the Clones. Yes. Michael Medved has Frank Oz on the show. I believe it's pronounced Medved. <laughs> I don't think that's... Oh, I think no? it's Medvedev okay. up in Russia. <laughs> um, I must break you. <laughs> Go for it. Go. So, the... Uh, <laughs> the... Um, what the heck was I saying? Oh, Frank Oz. Frank Oz is on Michael Medved's show. Yeah. And Medved does this cheese ball thing that I cannot stand, which is he says, oh, I think your performance was wonderful in this movie, and I really loved Muppets Take Manhattan, which you directed, and I think it was fantastic. What a wonderful movie, that Muppets Take Manhattan. Oh, to gush about Muppets Take Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And then, and tomorrow I'll do my review of episode two. Well, he'd already seen the movie. Right. And, of course, the next day. He wasn't going to do it in front of Frank Oz. Frank Oz in there. He trashes right. it. Right. Totally, which I thought was gutless. Yes, it is. But he's got Oz on it. And I, and I called the show. And I got through. Roll And they're like, and they're, what do you want to ask Frank Oz? And I said, well, I want to ask him this. And, and I want to ask him this. And they said, well, only one question. Okay. So they put me on the air. And they, I got they, did, they had no idea who they were dealing no, with. That's right. Because as he was starting to trail off his second answer, I popped in with that there second question. There you go. That's right. So, but... Uh, after that interview, I said, well, I, maybe I missed something. Maybe there's just something, maybe, because Medved says. Yeah, Medved. Medved says this is the best Muppet movie in the universe. The best. So, it's the best Muppet movie. So, <laughs> Pay him. So I'm Pay calling, that man his money. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's John Malkovich from oh, Rounders. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you ever so, see that movie? I remember that movie. Well, I, I love it. When he goes, pay him. <laughs> pay that man his money. <laughs> so, so I go back the next day. Now, note, I have Muppet State Man on DVD. Right, right, So right. I can just go grab it. Now, sure. 
I'm a Muppet snob. Yes. Who owns a copy of the Muppet stuff he doesn't like? It's called hate watching or being a completist. <laughs> it's called being a completist. There you go. Right. I don't hate watch. Right. Trust me, I don't hate watch. Uh, it's one of the things I've always found refreshing about you. Right. Is that you are one of the few who actually broadcast the fact that he's not a hate watcher. I don't like hate watching. It's trendy to be a hate watcher. Isn't that weird? Well, it's, you, it's, it's like you're, being a... You're not cool unless you hate watch. You're being a hipster when you hate watch. Yeah. And yeah. you got to be the first one to say the ugliest thing you can about anything new. That's right. Period. Sometimes I want to do that, though. Well, I think one of these days I'm going to have an episode of Geek Out Loud that's just completely... Don't even try to geek out around here. <laughs> This is your unsafe <laughs> that's place. Right. It would be bizarro geek out loud. <laughs> well, good cuz that's, you know, the I wanted to be the first one when Man of Steel came out. I do. Have and to say. I will play the geek out I'll play the Super Friends theme backwards. backwards. Yes. Yeah. And yes. I'll come in I'll be like, <laughs> PA him. Yes. <laughs> but uh so it's, I went and rewatched it again. I yeah. I have nothing for that movie. Really? And I kept thinking... I love the gags. Frank Oz mm-hmm. directed this movie. Yeah. Why do I not like this movie? So I start going through the credits. It's the writer. Who's missing? Jerry Jewell. Yeah. Jerry Jewell is missing. Jerry Jewell is the head writer on The Muppet mm-hmm. Show. He's the main writer on The Muppet Movie. Right. Main writer on Great Muppet Caper. Right. Nowhere to be found on Muppet hmm. Take Manhattan. Well, I will say this. <clears throat> now, the great uh, Muppets Take Manhattan was... A movie that, as a kid, I kept having to seek out and seek out and seek out because we didn't get to go see it in the theater. Oh, and really? So, right. And so, I mean, and I saw the Great Muppet Caper in theaters mm-hmm. with the fam, but we, our family, never got to go see Muppets Take Manhattan. We wanted to, but it's just one of those things where, well, we can't this weekend. We can't. We can't. You know. And I mean, by that point, there were four or five of us, and you know, it was just it's a it's a it's an ordeal to take that many kids to the movie. You know. Yes. And so had to wait for it to come out on video and it seemed like it took forever for it to come out so when it finally did mm. you know as a kid it's like this is the greatest thing ever um but i will i mean i will say that to me there's always been a little bit of a disconnect with it and the prior two mm. just because it i and this is just my mind as a child not being able to work out right like why are they in college all of a sudden? Why are they, you know, what, yeah. you know, it just, it was a weird kind of setting just kind of out of nowhere. But I love when I get past those little feelings, mm. I love the songs, the bits, the, there's some running gags in there and I'm a sucker for running gags. I don't like the way it ends because it ends so vaguely. Yeah. Are they married or are they not married? They sort of are. You yeah. know? Um, I don't like how was the musical received. I, That's what that was my thing. I wanted to know. Well, was it a success on Broadway? What were the box office numbers yeah. like? Well, not necessarily. But I how just many want, weeks did it run? I wanted to see the audience give him a standing ovation. Oh, you know, they I mean, to, because that, yeah. to me that was the thrust of this movie. The whole really getting married thing, mm. though they talked about it, it kind of came out of nowhere and suddenly, and within that song became the thrust of that movie. Rather than we've worked this whole time to get to Broadway. Here we are. How are we received? Maybe they couldn't show you the Broadway standing ovation because the show wasn't very good and it wasn't well received. I hope that's not the case. <laughs> I want to believe in the success of, especially after all they went through. The whole Kermit with um, amnesia thing, I was I on the edge that. of my seat. <laughs> the saying goodbye but, brings me to tears. Oh, my Atlanta. But the whole the whole <laughs> working in the New You gave York Jenny the deli. huggies? Huh? You gave Jenny the huggies? <laughs> okay. But the whole working in the in the New York uh, deli, yeah, it Peeps. just reminded me of season two of of uh, Mork and Mindy. Okay, where well, they had to introduce Jay, uh, what's his name from White Cross? 
I don't know. Uh, Jay, the comedian guy, actor. From Waycross. Uh, is he from Waycross? Yeah, he's from Waycross. I don't know. <laughs> I want to show you this, though. Now, this is an email that comes from Jacob. And uh, this is a screenshot from Muppets Take Manhattan. Mm. Pete's there. Wow, that's very okay. Seinfeldian, isn't that's it? Where, well, and this is a picture from the season, the pilot of Seinfeld. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's the same shot. Yep. And that's, wow. that's where they were at. That's where the Muppets were working in the deli. Nice. Well, you'd think you'd have seen them in the background at some point. Peoples this. is peoples. <laughs> <laughs> he's lights. He's, uh, he's, it, but it gave yeah. us so much, too, because that, the, the segment, the quick segment where they're riding in the carriage and they do the imaginary Muppet baby segment, that spawned that whole cartoon. It did, and I like that cartoon. Yeah. And I particularly liked it because it was the only place I could see Star Wars for that's a while. Right. That's right. That's right. Star Wars stock footage. He'd open, that, he'd open that closet and here'd come a TIE fighter. Yep. And they did a whole Star Wars episode mm-hmm. one time as well. Yep, mm-hmm. they sure did. Um, but I, like Great Muppet Caper, when I saw it at the theaters, yeah. I kind of went, eh, all right, whatever. And then as a, a teenager, I rewatched it. Great Muppet Caper has grown. It yeah. is so it, subversive. It, it's really grown on me how good that it movie is. Just, is. It's so clever. Yeah. It really yeah. is. And it doesn't care if you get it. It's yep. full steam ahead. I, I, to that this, has become, I think, my even... I know the first one is wonderful, marvelous, magical, brilliant, beautiful... Yeah. I think the second one has become it's, my favorite. It's, I feel like it's it's just a superior film because they're in. I like the I like the breaking of the fourth wall. Mm. We're making a movie. Of course, they do that in the first one too, but it's we're making a movie. You know, this is the story, and then and then there's like a plot twist. That's sort of, I love the scene when they go to the supper club. And he's like, well, it's more of a supper, supper club, club than a restaurant. <laughs> but when they go there... And, the Dubonnet Club? Yeah, the, there's the Dubonnet Club. Uh, was that a lizard in the... It was a, a sort pig, of a lizard thing. A pig talking to a lizard. Um, but when, they, when they're sitting there and Fozzie's like putting sugar in the champagne, and he's yes. like, hey, you put enough sugar in this stuff, it tastes like ginger ale. That's always been one of my favorite lines for some reason. Because he's just talking to some random person up up. And so Gonzo goes around, starts taking pictures. He's like, a picture of you and your wife? He's like, my wife's not feeling well. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Maybe you should take her home. My wife is at home. Oh, hubba hubba. Next, Next table. table. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, the, my favorite, actually, my favorite gag from that is you two as twins. You don't even look anything alike. Maybe oh, it's, take, off your, that, yeah, take off your head. Yeah, take off your head. He's not wearing his hat. <laughs> And they do it through. Oh yeah, I see yeah, it. Now. I see They're it now. Identical twins. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I see. That doesn't he, like he starts to slap. Yeah, he's he like, oh, yeah. oh. Look, um, Dad. There's a bear. No, Christine. That's a frog. Yes, Bears wear hats. Yes. And Charles Grodin. <laughs> Grodin is the only person I've ever seen steal a movie from the Muppets. He just he straight he's he, he deadpans everything. Yep. He sells everything. Yep. It is hilarious. And then um, don't put a door between us. <laughs> And I love, I mean, all the cameos are great. Even the ones that I never really got as a kid, you know, when uh, Oscar shows up and he's like, what are you doing here? A very brief cameo. <laughs> Me too. And I'm like, who is that guy? But he's in an episode of The Muppet Show. I can't think of the guy's name right off. That was the truck driver. Yeah. He's in an episode of The Muppet Show and he is hilarious. And that he's a was that, character was that actor. Peter Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a character actor, like well respected character actor. Well, he was also Poirot for a while. Yeah, too. and in the but in the Muppet show, when he does the Muppet show, he is 
hilarious. He just uh. goes wacky with it, and he's making faces behind Sam. The Sam goes up, he's like, I just want to let you know how happy I am that there's culture being brought to our show. <laughs> and he's sitting there making faces at Sam the whole time behind his back. It's just classic stuff. But yeah, I love the great Muppet character. But Muppets Take Manhattan, I just, there's so many, to me, it's the jokes that hit spot on in so many places. Um, and they've got some, it's not the best as far as cameos go. Mm. You know, um, I can't even think of the, you gave Jenny the Huggies guy. Like, he's the one that someone emailed in was talking about. Mine is the dude up front. Uh, what's his name? Um, <laughs> You're really Nine to five him. guy. Nine to five. Dabney Coleman. Dabney Coleman. Okay. His, his bit in it when, when he's uh, trying to sucker him in and, mm. <laughs> and Animal just is up there, but bad man. <laughs> well, I tell you what, for you, yeah. I'll watch it again. You won't like it. I'm not telling you you're going <laughs> to like it. I just don't want you to be hating I just, on it I so much. I want to like it. I know you but do. It's, uh... it's, got, it's got some heart to me in those scenes, you know, especially like when Kermit comes back to his senses and they go into, look at us. Uh, Here we are. Oh, I love that song. But, but now, and, and you love your Muppets, and I noticed Jeff loves his Muppets on mm-hmm. Dinner for Geeks, but I can't, for whatever reason, get him to sit down and watch Muppet Family Christmas. Have That's you watched weird. all of that? Yeah, yeah. I love, I can't, I don't go the holidays without watching Muppet <laughs> Family Christmas. I was, Derek introduced that to me several years uh-huh. ago. I'd never, I'd never known it existed. Uh-huh. I never knew it was out there. I cry. And it's, well, to me, it's just amazing because I love it because it's just genius. You get them all together in the yep. same place. Sesame Street, Muppets, Fraggles. And it works. In totally a big works. way. In a big way, it works. And um, very funny. And then at the end, I'm not spoiler alert. Right. Jim Henson comes out. And he's sitting there with Sprocket. Yes. And he just and he says they look like they're having fun, don't they, Sprocket? And then he says, "Good. I like it when they have fun." And he just mm. you just the waterworks yeah. start yeah. up there. Well, I still can't watch that Jim Henson tribute they did. Mm. That that ends when they when because Kermit's not there the whole time. Yeah. You know, and then he shows up at the end for the big final number, which is you know if just one person believe. Ah. <sighs> uh. Can't do it. Anyhow, yeah. before. We- <laughs> The other thing I want to pick up on with you about oh, is on no. this most recent episode, you mentioned you hate Karate Kid. <laughs> I, do, I do hate the Karate Kid. Come on, man. I, but you hate it because of your personal experience in Brunswick, Georgia. You have no idea how they did tournaments out. In, no, I did. I traveled around and did. To the, California? No, I didn't where travel Where Cobra to Kai ran the, ran the town? <laughs> no, I didn't. But, I mean, they, didn't, they wouldn't put kids at risk like that. Eh. If you, when they did point sparring... Back in the day, they would tape off a little, look like a little four square right. court, mm-hmm. and they'd have judges on it, and they'd put a dozen of these things in a basketball court mm-hmm. and let people just fight it out in tournament style. Right. But they wouldn't, they wouldn't get on these gigantic stages and run all over the place and break legs well, and bust noses. <clears throat> what you see happening in in there in in Karate Kid, if I may be so bold. Is you're really only following one or two of the people at a the time. They've got a whole floor full of those mm. things going on at the same time. But then a gigantic stage. And then they for no and reason. then they set up the stage for the finals. Yeah, no. You know, and like and and this is where it works for me because I've been a part of Georgia high school wrestling. Uh-huh. And and all day long at the state tournament, you've got just match after match after match going on like yeah. eight mats in the room. Yeah. Until the final Championship match in each, weight, in each weights class. They they clear out the rest of the mats. They put one mat in the center of the court. But same size mat as they've always had. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but I mean, they they still had the same amount of area to work on. They were just it was a little bit bigger stage to go out of bounds to. Oh, they're running across the thing at each other, and it's like. Well, it's a different it's a different league of karate than what you were doing 
Scott, and I think you need to accept that. Not to mention, Karate Kid 2 is one of the greatest sequels of all time. I didn't even get that far. Oh my gosh. Isn't it the same movie, but in Japan? No. Uh Uh-uh, because he's fighting for his life. Oh, come on. Yeah. Here's Godzilla there? Spoiler alert, all right? I'm just going to spoil the heck out of it for you. Miyagi's father, he gets a letter that his father is dying. And when he gets it and he's reading it in front of Daniel, Daniel's like, I didn't know your father was still alive. He's like, neither did Miyagi. And what you find out is is that Mr. Miyagi left Okinawa not not to fight the war, but because his best friend and he had fallen in love with the same woman. Oh no, so he was shunned. And so his yeah, she was betrothed, she was, you know, arranged to be with his best friend who was the rich guy in the area. And she didn't want to be, and so his best friend got mad at him and wanted to fight him, which would have been a fight to death over there, and Miyagi refused to fight his friend. So rather than fight, you know, he left. So this is not, it's not a remake of Karate Kid, then it's a mm-hmm. remake of A Mock Time. Well, right. So they get to Okinawa to go visit his father, uh-huh. and I'm sorry, spoiler alert, Miyagi's father dies there. Miyagi gets there in time to say goodbye. His father mm-hmm. dies. And his old friend Sato, who was also called to his father's side because they were trained together underneath his father, told Miyagi, I give you three days to mourn, and then you deal with me. And he's like the rich man on the island. He's controlling everything. He's got this nephew that, you know, is just a jerk, you know, and, and, is, and is trying to cheat everybody out of all, you know, they're selling and stuff. So Daniel, being the American kid in this new culture, doesn't think twice about confronting this jerk who is more talented, stronger, faster, better than Danielson. Okay? Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> Daniel's just there to be there for Miyagi. Well, Miyagi refused to fight, refused to fight Sato. Well, then a big monsoon comes through. No! Yeah. Everything happens in this one week. Yes. Uh. And Sato gets trapped underneath uh, a pole that falls, and so Miyagi goes out to save him. Sato is his name? Sato is, is the bad guy, is his yeah. last name Voce? I don't know. No, because it's not. that's not... Um, that's not Japanese. <laughs> Pay him. And <laughs> he talks like this, Miyagi. That's how he says. But anyhow, Miyagi goes out, and he's like, there's this huge board on top of the guy. And um, there's a great line. They see a poster for Sato's karate school, and it's Sato chopping through a board or through a log. And uh, and Daniel says, can you, can you split a log like that? And Miyagi says, don't know. Never been attacked by a tree. And so, yeah, I mean, just great stuff. So... Anyhow, so How he goes. How could you be so flip right and, now? And the whole time, the whole time, well, they didn't know. Daniel didn't realize the severity of the situation until they get in the middle of things. So the whole time, the rain's coming down, and Sato's like, I knew you were a coward, Miyagi. I knew you would wait till I was, you know, it's because Miyagi's like, yeah. And he, right down on the huge pole that's fallen on Sato and breaks over and helps him get into shelter. And Sato's like, I had you wrong all along, your friend. But his nephew refuses to make amends. So now his nephew is on the outs, and he's pissed at everybody. Big final scene celebration. Daniel's new love interest is there. He's there, and they're kind of doing like this, you know, Japanese culture dance and everything. Well, here comes Sato, and he wants to fight Daniel, and he wants a, de- a fight to the death. Sato wants to fight Daniel? Yeah. yeah. No, the no, the, no, the nephew. I oh, can't okay. think of his name. Chosen, so they're having I think. just a big celebration? They're having a celebration at this, at this ancient castle and they, place. And Sato, they put... Uh, Hayden Christensen's head over Sato's ghost. No, because he's still alive. Oh, okay. No, it's not an Ewok celebration. They're just it's it's like the it's the bone dance is what it is. It's a it's a yearly thing they do. You need to watch it. It's really great. Peter Cetera, Glory of Love. I remember that. Yeah, it comes from. Anyhow, 
as a kid, I hadn't seen this yet. I was talking to my friend. We're hanging on the trampoline in my backyard. We're talking about it. He got to see it. And he's like, oh, it's so cool, man, because like now he's fighting. This guy wants to fight him to death. I'm like, Daniel used the crane kick to beat him, didn't he? He's like, no, he blocked it. And I was like, what? He's like, I'm like, he's like, yeah, I'm like, and I looked at him and I said, but if done right, no can defend. He's like, he blocked it. He knew how to, he knew how to block the crane kick. And I'm like, well, what'd they do? He's like, he had this drum thing. I'm like, what drum thing? And well, they have these little spinny hand drums. Yes, and it's like, yes. you're supposed to learn karate from those. And it's a, and it's a punch move that he does. And mm. he just starts whacking the crap out of the chosen, who's the bad guy's kid's name. And he gets down on his knees and, and like, he's like, live or die, man, live or die. And there's a throwback to the beginning, you know, where he he won't kill him, and it's great. It's a good movie. You should check it out. Karate Kid Three, you won't like because it's a lot like Karate Kid One. <laughs> Except Ralph Macchio is like fifty years yeah, old. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't. He thirty pounds. Yeah, heavier. yeah, yeah. It's true. It's true. Plus, you know what? I, I can tell you exactly why I didn't. But see now, Karate, Karate Kid, 3. Kid Three has some great music by Little River Band in it. Mm. Mm. Don't you dare! <laughs> but you know why I didn't see that one? Why? Because that summer I spent every time I'd go to the movies. Because you were grown up. Yeah. (laughs) Because I was watching Last Crusade every time I went to the movies. Yes. That summer. Well, listen, you can't beat some little river band when it's some of this mess right here. Bad recording. I got it. I got to turn that down because Little River Band will get me on a. That's on a big eighties music. Yes, sir. I'm a fan of big eighties music. I love some Little River music. Band. They, they got some tight harmonies with that Little River mm-hmm. Band. But we didn't. You know what? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get. Uh... <laughs> so, see the worst, Steve. <laughs> one oh, of the things wait. I don't have a bone to pick with you about. <laughs> what? What? I didn't. I said one of the things I don't have a bone to pick with What's you that? about your opinion of Secret Wars. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Wait. 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 Yeah. Ready. Jack O'Connor was fantastic. We'll go back to Jack O'Connor. Yes, I'm sorry. Jack O'Connor was fantastic. Yes. And in fact, do you know who was a guest at Jack O'Connor? I believe the inker for Secret Wars. John Beatty, the inker for Secret Wars, was there. Yeah. I got a great interview recorded with him. Yeah. Really? No. Oh. (laughs) I was busy. He was busy. Oh. But uh, but he was there, and I was there, and I saw him there. Now, this... I think there's some shenanigans behind the writing and everything, because Jim Shooter wrote it. Yes. Um, but I think he stepped in to write it when he realized, oh, this is going to be huge. That's what I always hear. I always hear like these negative things about Jim Shooter, even though he's really seminal in a lot of the comic work that I love. Yeah, <laughs> you no, know? yeah, I don't... he's a seminal part of my comic love. I, you know, here's the thing that we do have to you have to say up front with Secret Wars is it was designed as a result of a marketing deal between Mattel and Marvel. Is that the only reason they did this? That's what, and I was reading up on this today. That is apparently why they came up with it because they had it. They had to. They had to. They agreed to make a comic book that would promote a line of action figures. And they had a lot of action figures. And they and you know what? I'm okay with it. Yeah. However, it turned out. Whatever happened. Isn't it weird that Kenner had the superpowers line and Mattel had the Marvel, and nowadays it's like completely flip flop Hasbro now. I mean, I guess Hasbro Mattel does the DC stuff. Yeah. Well, and the superpowers line came out much later, but it's because it's kind of funny. Did the superpowers line come up that? I thought Maybe it was a little bit later. Yeah. I thought it was earlier. The superpowers line. Maybe here's what I remember about the Secret Wars. The series comes out, and mm-hmm. then like way after the series, the there figures were toys. Came out. Yeah. But it was like it wasn't. Like here's yeah, I issue remember, one and here are toys. Like Secret Wars is 1984. Mm, yeah, and I remember, 
I remember the Secret Wars toys being, yeah, much later. I remember them. Yeah. I remember seeing them around like eighty five ish. All the all the the characters all came with shields for some reason that had like the little lenticular designs on them, mm-hmm. and um, and and it was uh, they, I guess they were. I never had any of them. I, I had some friends who had some, but I never, I never had. had well, they weren't Star Wars figures. Well, because and, and also at that age. I wasn't into comics yet. I didn't get ah. into comics until 87, 88-ish. Ah. So you, but you were full on collecting and reading. Oh, yeah. This is my heyday right here. Now, what, in in the thick of the moment, in 1984, you know, going around from spinner rack to spinner rack, <laughs> what was, what was, where was Secret Wars on your have to get, have to read, what's going on list? Secret Wars was... Outside of, I mean, Star Wars was Star Wars, mm-hmm. and Star Wars was the gateway drug. Right, right. But so, but Star Wars to me was always separate. It was all because no matter what happened in comics, I'm going to buy Star Wars. Right. Period. Right. So Star Wars is Star Wars, but outside of that, it is the king of the heap mm-hmm. because I loved Spider Man, mm-hmm. loved Fantastic Four because it's right in the middle of all right. the burn stuff, which I love. Yes. When John Burns Fantastic Four is the Fantastic Four, when they keep making these movies and we keep. You know, we ask mm-hmm. the question back and forth: Why aren't these movies better? Right, because they're not looking at John Byrne. There's right. another reason for it. I agree. I agree. Um, John Byrne got it, and he did it in a way that so updated what Lee and Kirby did. It was so true to the original spirit. But I mean, yet, right down to there, like right down to when I think of, I'm thinking of some John Byrne covers in my head, and there are Kirby crackles on the cover. There's that kind of, you know, there's that style of looking at, you know, he was he wasn't scared to go to the negative zone no. every other issue. No, John, well, I spent four straight issues in it. Yeah, my first John Byrne uh, Fantastic Four was actually the final part of that big negative zone epic. Okay, yeah, and then I had to go back and go, what? What is this? What is going on right. here? Was that the death of Reed Richards? The no, 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 no. no. It was that was the Reed Richards is fine. Okay, <laughs> is that when they found? But I'm saying is like there was a period of time where he went missing. Yeah, no, this was not that. Okay. That was... That, That's when Doom died in the middle of that. Doom died later, yeah. Later than that? Yeah, this was Annihilus. They were up against Annihilus right. in the neutral zone. This was actually... Because, again, gateway drug. Mm-hmm. My brother used to tell me every single number one is worth a million dollars. Right. And so anytime you see number one on the shelf, you buy it. Mm-hmm. And it led to good things and bad things. Mm-hmm. G.I. Joe? Right. Good. Right. Team America? Eh, yeah. Okay. We're readable. America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that team. Oh, America. okay, okay. The motorcycle guy. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Um, and uh, so the thing, it was like I think it was like the thing number two, and he's cleaning up the thing, and they're like, "Oh, if you want to know what happened to the thing number two, you need to check out. You know why? Why is everything devastated like this? Check out event, uh, Fantastic Four two fifty six. Okay, so I go by Fantastic Four two fifty six was the final part of that negative zone thing. What was the cover? Do you remember? Uh, the cover of two fifty six was. Boy, I can tell you 257 in a heartbeat because it's got Galactus on it. Galactus is, it's got Galactus and half of yes. his face is scrolled yeah, out. And it's that's got, 257. And that's the introduction of Nova. 256 has got. Not, th- not Nova. Frankie Ray. She yeah, was Frankie in there. Ray. It's but not did, the introduction. But, but she went by it. Nova. Yeah. Okay. She was a herald. Not, uh, not Nova of the Nova Corps, though. No, I think right. she was Nova. She was I, Frankie I think, Ray. That's yeah, a, Frankie you know. Ray. Yeah. But um, it's the issue before that. And I think it's yellow and has a Nihilus on it. Okay. That's what I remember. Yeah. Uh, I'm you, with you. And I'm then tracking. in that, in the background, like, oh, what is this in the background? A flash of light in the background? What could that possibly be? To find out. Avengers 233. Okay. 
So go, yeah. Now so now I'm buying Fantastic Four. I'm buying Avengers. I'm buying you know, um, and of course I always love Spider Man. So I bought Spider Man. Right. Secret Wars was everybody you dug. <laughs> He's thrown in the sandbox. Yes, yeah, and duking it out against every big bad. And I, have you gone back and read them to get ready for this? Because I oh, have, yeah. I have too. Oh yeah. And the truth of the matter is, is the to me, mm. everything holds up except the initial premise of getting them there. This <laughs> this cosmic, all powerful being looks to Earth and says, "I want to see these people fight for their greatest desires." It doesn't hold up until and unfortunately, even though it's much inferior. Until you read Secret Wars 2 and you just find out that this is a being that was obsessed with humanity for some reason. Yeah. And and then, because they get into the beyond or more in the Secret Wars 2. But the, but as I'm reading, I'm like, this is the only thing that makes no sense, is, is how they get to this Why? point of yeah. having to duke it out. And, and But again, it's it's what's funny, too, is if you read it, and if you notice, like in the early ep- issues, obviously there was a little bit of a lag. Because again, as we mentioned, this was a product tie-in mm-hmm. book. Right, right. And there was a little bit of a lag in the creation of the book and in the publication of it. So they're trying to. So the first issue, Professor X is in his wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Well, in the books at the time, he's not in his wheelchair. Right, right. So they go, well, what happened? Why is he in his wheelchair? Uh, that's because the Beyonder must have chosen the version of people that most of us know. Right. What does that even mean? Why the Beyonder is the reader. Yep, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, and, yeah. Well, and also, this would come into play later on. With Doom, mm-hmm. because by this point Doom had died, yeah, in the comics. But suddenly he's there, and he's there. Well, but but you got to remember, Secret Wars takes place in a brief moment of time. Aha! Uh-huh. Yes, that's remember because right. there are all these portals around right, the place, right. and everybody went. And for whatever reason, superheroes they can they can invent things no one would ever think of inventing, but they don't have any common sense. <laughs> And there's a porthole. And you know what? The X-Men all disappeared into that doorway. And then Spider-Man disappeared in that doorway. We need to go see what's Fantastic going on. Fantastic Four, let's go through that doorway. Yeah, let's go find out what's happening. we got to go <laughs> so save them. they go them. through the doorway. And it pops them away. And what happens is they, they disappear. And then like a little bit later, boom, they're back. In the comics. Yes, in and, the comics. And in their title. Yeah, they're like all gone for a month from their mm-hmm. book. And then the next month, they're back. Mm-hmm. And you find out what happened. And they that was a great time for all the editorial balloons. Right. Well, see what happened in Secret Wars. Right. And uh, so that that's Doom could have died; it wouldn't have mattered. But Doom did get a whole new outfit during the whole thing, mm-hmm. which was in line with his action figure because I think it was probably too tough to make all that. Right, it, was, it was a right, more streamlined right. Doom. Yes, yes, yeah. It's more science fictiony Doom and less right. capey. Doom. Right, right. So, but what I'm saying though is, is later on mm-hmm. during Secret Wars two, ah, you have that situation where the Beyonder kind of says. I couldn't find Doom in the time stream proper, so I pulled him from a different part of the time stream. Yes, and so there's got to have Doom, right? And there's a whole mind swap thing that goes on because Doom had lost some of his memories from a period of time, and then boom, he remembered, and now he's more dangerous than ever. But he's still got to go after Kristoff. For Fantastic Four fans, you'll know exactly what I I'm talking Christoph. about. Um, and uh, man, that whole thing ended. I'm sorry. Let's not take a big tangent. <laughs> Do you remember how they finally ended the whole Kristoff thing? No. Walt Simonson did it. No. Issue 350. Yeah, see, I'm out of it at that point. Issue 350. Uh, there's a big battle going on between Doom and Kristoff. It opens up with a big... And all of a sudden, Doom shows up. What? <laughs> and you're like, what? And you come to find out, Doom has been off the scene for a little while watching all this go on, but there has been a Doom bot 
who rather than because when all whenever the Doombots are away from Doom, they take on the identity of Doom. Yes. And when yes. this one got back around Kristoff or Doom, it didn't. It continued to think it was Doom. And but what he did was when Doom shows up, he speaks one word that's kind of like a like a kill like switch. a trigger word. Yeah. You know the name of the serpent that eats its own tail, Arasporos. And um, I remember to this day, wow. Walt Simonson art, big and Doom was like a, it was new armor for him, shiny metallic, and um, and Kristoff comes to his senses and realizes I'm not Doom. What am I doing? And and decides to help him out. And then that leads into um, that led into Doom kidnapping Sherry, Miss Marvel, mm-hmm. at the time she thing for some reverting her back to human. Okay, the thing, in an effort to save her, who had been human, goes undergoes something to turn him back into a thing, because that's the only way he can go help out. He feels like grief. <laughs> yeah, it's well, it's always been that's the life of Ben Grimm. Yeah, that's true. You know, and and Doom and Richards, Doom and Reed have a battle through time, but what it is, it's time in one minute jump increments. Oh wow! And so they're flashing around. If you read you you the issue that was two fifty one. They do this in no three fifty one. Three fifty one. I yeah. mean, scary. And the cover is Reed Richards coming at you, and there's like a little timestamp at the bottom. When you read straight through the Doom Reed Richards battle, makes no sense whatsoever. But there's a B story that does. And then at the end they say, if you'll follow the timestamps, this will make more sense. So and the so cover, the cover is actually part of the fight. Oh! And it was just a really cool concept that Simonson and Company did. Oh! And and in typical Marvel form at the time, that led into a whole deal <laughs> where the, the Space Time Continuum Authority shows up and says, "You have really damaged the time stream. You're going to have to come with us." Yes, and and they end up on a whole jaunt through time uh, and different dimensions and stuff. It's just classic. All right, see, I gotta get all this now. It's it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's Walt Simonson, who, quite frankly, his Marvel Unlimited, his yeah, his Fantastic Four run, I didn't appreciate as much as I should at the time because I was distracted by his art. Because he has a very, if you ink him the wrong way, I think is what it comes down to is whoever mm-hmm. was inking him. Made the art look not as good as I as what I would have liked to look at the time, but and you know it's funny that you say that. Have you, you know, I, I do this podcast called uh, My Star Wars Story, right, right. And the most recent episode is David Michelini. Yes, yeah, I heard your yeah. He said it, he said it, he talked yeah. about Ink and Simon exactly. Yeah, and I was like, he's right. Yeah, he is, he is right. What you're saying is exactly in line with what Michelini was saying. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, as I recall, I think it's 350. Look and see if 350 is um, even there. Yes, the one with the thing on the front. And see the next issue over, there's Reed coming at you, and that's part of the, that's actually part of the story. Oh, well. And so, and that's an offbeat tale. And then that gets back into the stream thing. <laughs> wow. And it wasn't long after that that I started to fall out of it. Yeah, but out of, you know because just of time and, and not being around. But they Simonson did a lot with those. They, he didn't go so much like into the negative zone stuff. Mm-hmm. He did a lot of time and dimensional travel. Simonson's with them, good writer artist. I mean, there, there his are Thor, those, his Thor stuff. Yeah. I dig. There are a few of those guys who are are great at both. Mm-hmm. McFarlane is not great at both. Right, right. Uh, but 
people like a John Byrne, like mm-hmm. a Walt Simonson. That was one of the things when I was talking to David Michelini, not to get too far off the beaten path, but we were talking because I wanted him on my Star Wars story because I thought he had a unique story, which was he was a working adult. Right, when right. Star when Star Wars, Wars came hit, out. yeah. And he charted part of the course of Star Wars being the guy who wrote Marvel Star Wars for the bulk of the time between Empire and Jedi. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, oh, crud, I forgot where I was going with that. Where was I going? You were talking, we were talking about story and art. Story and, oh, yeah. And, uh, but he wasn't just the writer line. He says that several times during the interviews. Simonson helped him plot those stories. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, he's one of those guys who's just, he's a terrific artist, great storytelling visually, and, and a good writer. Mm-hmm. And you don't get the, the, I mean, how many of those can you name? I mean, not many. Will Eisner? Simonson. <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't know because nowadays you've got like, you know, like I love the work. I love Ed McGinnis's work, mm-hmm. you know, but he's an artist. Yep. I love Jeff Loeb's writing, you know, largely. Um, <laughs> but he's, you know, he's an author. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know who else is who's out there nowadays that really does their own, you know, in the mainstream. I'm sure there are a lot of indie guys. Yeah, you got uh, uh, what's his name, Heck Boy. Wow! Uh, what's this? Don't bring that hate on the geek out loud. I don't know who's who's no. Hack Boy. Hack Boy, you know. Oh, Hellboy. Yeah, well, yeah. When well, my guy. kids were growing up, they couldn't say. I that, got so. you. I got you. Well, your your seventeen year old son still has to ask your permission to watch Revenge of the Nerds. Apparently, <laughs> he is the greatest. I love that kid so much. You don't even know how much I love that kid. Anyhow, back to Secret Wars. See what? So, Secret Wars. Yeah. So you, this was must get for you. In okay. 1980, that's what you're saying. You you mentioned that this you, is this is it. This yeah. is everybody, and this and you know what? I read it in the book. The universe is at stake. It, How can you not <laughs> want that? Yeah, every because because if these villains get their way, yeah, they'll run roughshod over the entire that's universe. Right, that's right. Um, it's definitely a, it's definitely in any con. And this is weird to say because any comic is this. You can definitely tell the time period from whence it comes. You know, mm-hmm. you can definitely tell it's early mid 80s. Um, 1984-ish. I was introduced to it. I got into comics 87, 88. Um, and I was just picking up whatever I could find to pick up, you know, where I could find it, book mine in Brunswick, you know, the local spinner racks, wherever there were, wherever I could find comics, you know, I would pick up oh, comics. Oh, that's right, because it was later. Right. I'm sorry, because when Secret Wars came out, book mine wasn't open. Right, right. They didn't open until October 85. Well, and my cousin at the time was engaged to a guy who um, I had an issue of the Hulk that was issue three forty eight, I believe, had Spider Man in it. Spider Man, and uh, check me out. Three forty eight might be the Absorbing Man, and three forty nine might be the one with Spider Man. Um, but uh, it was uh, him getting punched out by the Hulk, who was gray at the time on the cover. This was during the Joe Fix It stuff. And I step out with that, and and I just wanted to find out about this guy. And I'm a kid, like I'm an annoying little kid at the time. And I'm like, so here's a, and I cover up the title with my hand. I'm like, so who are these people? And my cousin says, well, I know that Spider-Man, but I don't know who that gray guy is. And her fiance says, well, that's the gray Hulk. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. How do you know? He's like, because I love comic books, man. Uh I'm like, oh, super cool. So when we would hang out with him, he brought me some comics to read. And one of the things he brought me was... All 12 issues of Secret Wars. Oh. And I loved it. Was I right? 348? 349. 349 was the Spider-Man? Yeah. Okay. 348 is the Absorbing Man. Yes. Yeah. Yep. The Absorbing Man would get uh, beat to a bloody, get beat to a rocky pulp and thrown in the river in that, and he wouldn't be seen again until Quasar issue number six. Uh, so. 
acts of vengeance. Love it. Um, but anyhow, uh, and so, dude, I read through this thing, not knowing, not knowing at all what, what he had put in my hands to read. And I just was like, this is the most brilliant thing anyone has ever done because it's everything you want to see. Yes. But there's these there's also these underlying stories that go with it because from the very beginning you're like what is Magneto doing with the good guys? Yep. What is his why is he not why are the X-Men suddenly branching off from all the good guys? Yep. Why can't they It's like watching wrestling where the good guys can't seem to work together but the bad guys figure out a way to. Then you got a guy who's one of the good guys and then he does a heel turn. Yes. See? Yes. And and then you've got Doctor Doom. Meanwhile, you got Galactus, who's just parked up on a mountaintop. Yeah. And you're like, well, I know what's coming there. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know? and, and then you've got Dr. Doom, who's working a whole different angle than everybody yep. else. Doom's like, y'all can go after the wish fulfillment if you want to. I'm going after the source of the wish fulfillment. Yep. And that, to me, as, as a burgeoning comic book reader, that informed me from that day forward... Why Doctor Doom, in my opinion, sir, is the greatest comic book villain <laughs> of all time. No, yes, absolutely. Doctor Doom. I mean, let's think about the ego on this guy and the arrogance of this guy, and that's who he is. Yeah, he says, "Okay, this guy says he can give us whatever we want," and so everybody else on his team says, "Yes, well, here's what I want. Here's what mm -hmm. I want. Here's what I want. Let's go get it." And he says, "Wait a minute. If somebody has the power, he he, he does a self check first. Right. He says." Do I have the power to give anybody anything they want? <laughs> well, I know I don't. <laughs> but I know -check. that I deserve to have the most power of anybody in the universe. Yeah, yeah. Ergo, I'm going to go get this I'm guy's go power. After it. Yeah. How about that? So while everyone else is fighting, yep. what Doom does is he literally creates a couple of bad guys, Titania and Lava, or what she called, what she ends up calling herself? Uh, Volcano. Volcano. He uh, he creates these two bad guys to go after, you know, the good guys with the rest of the Meanwhile, he's creating something to siphon the power from this Beyonder to make his own. Yeah, and it's like he could care less about what's going on. And there's and me, but he's working with, and this and it's too bad the Molecule Man's gone because he is one of these characters. It's like it, the thought with a thought could wipe everybody out. But he's so psychologically broken yep. that he's going to therapy. And he's like, well, my therapist tells me not to use, usually let nature run its course, you yep. know. He tells he tells someone at one point there's a storm going on. Like, that's part of the story. He's like, I could stop this storm anytime I want to. But my therapist tells me to let things run their natural course. Yep. <laughs> and yep. it's like, holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's and this, scary. And this is not a normal storm. This is a storm that is ripping things to shreds yes, out there. And yeah. he's just like, eh. and, and, and Dr. Doom, he's like, I really like him. He seems decisive. He's someone I need to be following <laughs> or, and taking orders from. Yeah. And Dr. Doom treats him like nicer than you see Dr. Doom treat anybody. Yep. And it's because he knows how to play this guy. Even when Kristoff was a little boy, he didn't treat him. This well. That's right. Exactly. He, though he treated Kristoff well. Yeah, but he broke bad on him one yes, time. Yes, yes. Yeah. Scary. And, and so that reading this story of Secret Wars, I realized this is the most scary man in Marvel Universe. There's no one scarier. You can throw me Ultron out there, you know, taking over the world and doing his thing. Kang the Conqueror from the future doesn't matter. Doctor Doom is someone not to be trifled with. He's the definition of a megalomaniac. Yes. Period. Yeah. 
Oh, he's he's amazing, and this yeah. story just to me proves it. And right there at the beginning, when when Galactus is like Beyonder, hear me, and he goes to fly up to the Beyonder, mm-hmm. Doom's like, oh, I want to get in don't, on this. Yeah, don't go without me. <laughs> yeah, that's what are you right. Doing? That's right. Oh, I just I think it's this story, and it's because of all those little pieces that take place, mm-hmm. and you get the payoff you want to see yep. in the end. You get the big final battle, and there are things that really kind of changed. Marvel for a few years that yeah, came yeah. out of this. Yes. You know, not least of which black suited Spider-Man. Black suited Spider-Man, which ultimately becomes Venom. Mm-hmm. Thank you, David Michelinie. That's you right. That's that right. Background. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the thing stays behind. He stayed and that, and that carried through in his, in his comic. He was on yep. battle world for a while in his comic. Yep. For, for, I mean, it was, it was a pretty good while. I mean, it was a was year. Was it a year? Two. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, because uh, She Hulk joined the Fantastic Four. She Hulk came back and joined the Fantastic. It's another big change. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what happened with the X Men. I don't think I was following them close enough at that point. I wasn't either. Um, you know what my problem with X Men is? There's What's too that? many of them. It's just too, too many. many. Just yeah. stop it. It's just quit. Stop just with stop. the X Men. Well, they killed a lot of them off. A lot of mutants. I off, remember you know? that. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. And I didn't. And it was. A, I didn't like that story when they killed them off. Mm. <laughs> just stop it. You, you can't have it, Rife, and you can't have it both ways. <laughs> now you sound like some of my more liberal friends. <laughs> all right. You can't write a bad story to fix a bad premise. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. But it, yeah, just would you quit building wings onto the institute? I get it. Just, there's a lot of you. You know. It, that's why when GI Joe lost me, same thing. Because they got too many They're Joes. Just, yeah, it's like every month I pick it up and I go, "Who are the? Who's this guy with the torpedo and the guy with the spear? What is it? And well, the, in where's the, Stalker? In their in where's their Scarlet? In their defense, they were selling toys. Where's Bazooka? In their defense, they were selling toys. Not Bazooka. Who the heck's Bazooka? Rock and roll. Rock and roll. Roadblock. Where's rock and roll. Yeah. And well, they uh, had the new wave of figures they had to get. Breaker. Yeah, Breaker. They had the new wave of figures they I had know, to get sold. I know, but I just... And Larry Hama, bless his heart, he did what he could with what he had. Man. Larry he did a good job. I know he did, but it just I got to the point where I just couldn't I couldn't. The follow. Transformers comics were the same way. See, I lost Transformers like, early. Like, as the Transformers went along, I, that, that book is a mind trip in some ways. Because they're... Megatron, like, dies... And shockwaves running things, but shockwaves not. It's rat bad of all things. It's just it's crazy. It is mm. it is a it is a weird premise, you know. And and there are some issues where the, no one's to be. It's it, it you could you can tell now knowing with jaded, you know, come because oh they just need they wanted to really put these toys on mm-hmm. the front and center, but the way that they went about doing it really made you stop and, and you say. Know what? If they Good can, job. If they can be compelling, I don't care what. And the they did. Is. I think they really yeah. did. I think they were with those compelling. And I think, I think to an extent, Larry Hamill was too with with GI yeah. Joe. Uh, well, he didn't lose me till you know the probably the the eighties, right? Yeah, you know, he kept me for seventy something yeah. issues. Yeah. But just after I was, well, okay, and by yeah. that time, I mean you're what four five years, six years into yeah, yeah hundred years in, into the run, and so you've got a bazillion toys that you're trying to you know they, yeah. that Hasbro wants them to get in there, and he's like. Well, I never really wrapped this whole story arc up. <laughs> yeah, that's what all oh my guys. Where are my guys? They're yeah. gone. Yeah, it's where's Gung Ho? And that's what worked with this. It's twelve issues, quick, and it's not. It wasn't meant to reshape the Marvel universe. It wasn't meant to shake things up. It was just meant to tell a kick butt fun story of of something you don't see that much anymore nowadays in comic books. Nowadays in comic books, you don't get the we're just going to have the bad guys and the good guys fight. No, it's all going to have long-ranging, changing... It's all going to have long-ranging implications for the universe. It's going to change the universe forever. And make it the same as it always was. But, the, well, here's the problem. 
They do this, and every summer they have their big event where they change the universe forever. Right. And then, because of decompressed storytelling, you get two story arcs Mm -hmm. in the new changed status quo. Right. And then, that's 12 issues. Now we're back to the next summer where we're changing the status quo again. Right. We're back to the status quo. Yeah, back to the other, or to another new status quo. Here's My thing is, what I like is, the good guys in Secret War were fighting to maintain the status quo. What's wrong with fighting... To maintain the status quo. I, my, what is wrong with a villain coming along wanting to upset the status quo for the worst, but our good guys with their backs against the wall have to fight to maintain it? Where, as Superman says in Superman 4 to Lex Luthor, as it always is, on the brink. You know, and, and that's, I mean, that's yeah. a, that is a profound statement from Christopher Reeve Superman when yeah. he says, and the world... Like it always is, Luther, on the brink. And that's the thing. That's what our superheroes are really doing. They're fighting to keep things on the brink, to keep it from tipping over into chaos and destruction because there's always someone evil out there waiting to do so. There's actually, I think, some sociology stuff on that. Yes. So, you know, yeah, and, think- and and here, that's what the heroes were trying to do. They were trying to yeah. fight to keep the status quo. And, but, and, but there are also some nice character moments. Yes, yeah. I, I love... Uh, at one point, Captain America gets stuck with the X-Men by themselves, and he has to help them out. And they, they Wolverine kind of says, you know, I I didn't think you'd stoop to helping us out. I didn't think you'd do that. Right. And uh, he said, you know, I didn't think you'd treat us like every other person. And uh, Cap says, well, some of my best friends are people. That's right. And I love that. It's just, <laughs> That's Captain America, yeah. son. Uh, there's only one God, ma'am, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't oh, dress yeah. that way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I lo- yeah. Well, and, and for me... This was a time in Hulk history that's really weird. Yeah. Because Bruce Banner was in full control of the Hulk side of things. But in the comics, and they did something. You know how back in the day they had um, up in the corner where the where the copyright information and the price was and everything. Yeah, they yeah. had like a little illustration. Yep. You know, um, they had the Hulk in a lab coat with some chemicals around him and everything. Nice. And what happened is, is, is literally, if you if you would cut them out and put them in a flip book, you can flip it. It's frame by frame of that coming out and him ripping out of it and going back to being the Savage Hulk. No! Yeah, yeah, over the months that, that that was taking place. Because he was slowly but surely losing it, and this is right smack dab in the middle of that. Yeah, they actually show. And, but again, I think that's one of those things. If you notice from the beginning, that's not even an element in the story. Right. And then it's several issues <laughs> later when they go, oh, okay, we're finally getting this stuff out to market. Right. Well, we got to start integrating this into the storyline. Right. And and um and to me, one of the coolest moments in Hulk history is him holding up a mountain. Yes. While while Reed Richards tinkers no, with Iron no. Man's repulsor rays. I'm gonna I'm gonna question that, sir. Okay. Hulk is not holding up a mountain. He's holding up a mountain range. He's holding up a mountain range. <laughs> that's right. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and they hear a tap. I love it. And this always stuck with me for years and years after reading this because I just borrowed this from, from my cousin's fiance at the time. I didn't buy it. He didn't give it to me. I just so you borrowed Do you still not have it? I have several of the Secret Wars now, yeah. I don't have the whole series. You don't have the whole series? I don't because, Spider, because issue eight is so expensive. I think I've got everything but issue eight. Um, and... Uh, but anyhow, so you've got, I mean, I've got Marvel Unlimited. So yeah, I've got the whole series at my fingertips. But the, um, it always stuck with me for years and years, not only the Hulk holding up that mountain, but the scene of, um, of, of when they say, I heard a tapping, Thor, that must have been you. He's like, those were some of my mightiest blows. Yes. You know, you must have been deep indeed if all you heard was tapping. And yep. I just thought, oh, that's BA. Absolutely. That is awesome. <laughs> 
Absolutely. <laughs> but the Thor and Enchantress have a little thing going on. Yes. You know, and it's... And Enchantress... Well, you got Enchantress... Well, first off, she gets snockered in one, one issue. Yes. If you remember. Yeah. Uh, you got the Thor and Enchantress thing, and then you got Enchantress trying to seduce everybody. Mm-hmm. She hits up Hulk. She tries to hit up Cap, but Cap ain't taken. No. Uh, and then you've got uh, Colossus... And his little dalliance or his attempt to cheat on Kitty. Right. Which I didn't ever understand what that had for the major implication in the Marvel Universe, but it was very strange. The Colossus over there, they, there's a, they run into a village. Yes. And this woman is a healer and she's yes. healing everybody. Right. And Colossus falls head over heels in love with her. Yeah. And all and she can't help it. And all she's saying is pay him. Pay that man his money. <laughs> yeah. See how expensive those, see how expensive number eight is there? Yes. Isn't it number eight? Yeah, Spider-Man. Well, yeah. yeah, well, there's one for sixteen because it's the first appearance of the black suit. Yes, and it's and what we know now, thanks to David McLeany and company, is we know that it's the symbiote. Yes, um, and that is just uh, what a fascinating thing to pull out of that whole. Because you know, when they wrote it, they weren't thinking, "Oh, we can make this thing a symbiote, and it can be." You know, that's something they went ahead and did. What do you back to back auctions? Secret Wars number eight. Right, one fifty nine ninety nine. Is it right, great? Is right, it graded? Right next to it, Secret Wars two number eight, two dollars. Yeah, buy it now. <laughs> See now, Secret Wars two. I had all of them, and I was getting the crossovers and everything. Because again, because again, and basically a baby comic collector at my time, uh, you know. But that ended weird. How about- <laughs> <laughs> I remember getting the the tie in issues. Boy, this is going to continue the action. Right, the- that's it. It's one panel. He's yeah, in the background. He's in there for one. Well, that's like the He's eating the hostess snack cake. The whole issue yes. <laughs> the hostess snack cake. Well, the whole issue with Doom uh-huh. is a Secret Wars two tie in. And and he, and the Beyonder shows up for just a little bit to explain to him where he pulled him from. And boom, yeah. he's gone. Secret Wars two tie in Incredible Hulk was like issue three twelve. He had been banished to the crossroads of infinity, and the Beyonder shows up and just kind of opens up the path for him to come back to Earth. He did. You're right. In episode in issue 300, they they banished. They him banished there. him, That's yeah, right. because he went crazy again. He went yeah. back from to the to the Savage right. Hulk. Um, now I will say that there was a John Byrne Fantastic Four tie-in where a kid trying to emulate Johnny, the Human yes. Torch, burns Set himself, himself on fire. Yeah, and the Beyonder has to show up and basically pull a Clarence, the Apprentice Angel, right. Yes. with Johnny and say, look. Yeah, I remember know. that one. That And that's a dark issue. That's, but it's oh. really moving yeah. and really yeah. good. And if the, if they had all been, you know, because most of these tie-ins were very action-free with regards to Secret Wars 2. Right, Secret right. Wars 2, you well, show up for the Secret fights. Secret Wars 2 was very action-free. Yeah, Secret Wars 2 was, well, no, there was that one time where he, the battle of the bulge. Yeah. <laughs> Where he got fat. He got fat. Yeah, he's sitting on the boat with all the with all yeah. the hot chicks, and he yeah. eats himself fat, and then he just makes it disappear. Yeah, the chicks don't have any zest for him, and he, why not? Yeah, he, you're fat. Oh, he, there you he go. He being the Beyonder, by the way. Yes, the Beyonder. With his jerry-curled Jerry hair. <laughs> oh, I so love Secret Wars, and then there's Secret Wars 2. Hmm. And, that, and it's uh, a weird thing, because the premise of Secret Wars 2, if the premise of Secret Wars... Is that this this being this all powerful being from beyond gathered these heroes and villains together to fight it out for their most for 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 their hearts desires? the The premise of Secret Wars Two is this giant being from beyond wanted to find out what's so great about being a person. It's very Star Trek ish mm. in a way because there's a very there's a very 
prideful idea about humanity inherent in the fact that this all-powerful being would look to humanity mm-hmm. for some kind of contest like this, and then that he would want to come and find out what's the deal with humanity. <laughs> um, see, that might have been a better... That's right, that's right. So... <laughs> But Secret Wars 3, sir, explains it all. That's his uh, connection and everything because he's he's part of a cosmic cube going awry. And Secret Wars 3 was was an issue of Fantastic Four, if I remember right. Yes. Well, an, an it issue. was the it was the culmination of a long um story arc that went about 8 issues. Okay. It it started with it, I may only have bought the one that was cuz there was one where the issue was just titled Secret Wars, Secret 3. Wars 3. That would have been 319. And I think that's the only one I bought in that cuz I knew that was there. <clears throat> Double-sized issue. Yes. And, and the cover has Beyonder and Doom in Mortal Kombat. Um with the thing and the rest of the Fantastic Four in the background. It started in like issue 311 in the Tunnels of the Mole Man. And they just go around exploring and they go through these dimensional portals end up on a place far out in space and they run into comet man mm-hmm. and they get them back to earth where they find down near the savage land the engine that's been powering the heat and and stuff for the savage land all that time uh has scrolled across it the name of the beyonder hmm. and so then you get in this whole thing about the race of the beyonders and everything yeah and uh, Doom shows up. They go th- to the negative zone and through the negative zone, sir, into the Beyonders universe where he has set up a whole world where people worship him. They have the Beyonder Bible, the Beyonder Koran, um, the Beyonder Torah. These are just <laughs> images you see as they get there. At one point, they pass Reed and Sue. And it's like, to see what happens here, check out Avengers number blah, blah, blah. And, uh, yeah, it's... Because they're so good at doing. Yeah, and, and what you find out in that issue is that the Beyonder and the Molecule Man, the Molecule Man was part of an accident that was supposed to create a cosmic cube. Hmm. But instead, he got some of the power, and the Beyonder got the, the lion's share. And so at the end of that, they get together and form a cosmic cube. But at this point, the Fantastic Four is not even the Fantastic Four. Anymore. It's the thing, it's Johnny, and it's, uh, it's Sherry, Miss sh- Marvel. It's Sherry, and it's, and it's Crystal. Well, Crystal or Medusa. Had, I'm sorry, Medusa. No, Crystal oh, had Crystal? left at this. Yeah, Crystal had left at this point. She left in in the Fantastic Four annual that took place in the middle of all this story arc. Ah, uh, because Black Bolt asked her to come back and, and be well, with Quicksilver. He didn't ask her to come. Oh, back. yeah, he did. Did he? He took her out to a come back and everything destroyed. What he did was because the whole I forget what annual it is, but it's in the midst of this story arc. Because um, Black Bolt can't speak. No, he can't. But what he does is he takes her out to a place at the very edge of the blue area where the atmosphere is is almost not there. And he whispers to her, stay. And it knocks her off her feet, and she realizes if he thought it was this important to tell me to do it, then I need to stick around and make my marriage to Quicksilver work. Mm. Yeah, it's a powerful moment. Mm. Powerful moment. So, <laughs> I'm sorry, you've got me on my geek out trend. No, that's okay. No, I'm. <laughs> it's what happens when I start talking comics from that whole era. No, because I... I was so immersed in it, I was hip deep in it, son. I love and I loved it, and and it start and it really was. I was already into comics, but when I read Secret Wars, mm. it that's what just put me over the top. Well, on how everything. can it not? You've got everybody, and then I remember Crisis came out shortly after that. Yeah, and Crisis was. I'm sorry. I know it's not even a toy line, but 
I mean, come on, DC. Come on, you didn't even make a toy line with it. What is your deal? What are you trying to push on us? <laughs> but no, but what I'm saying is it's I know it's not it's it had higher purpose. Right. Supposedly. Right, right, right. Well, but, I mean, and, and it ultimately it did. And it's pretty. Yeah. Great art. <clears throat> I don't get these DC Comics cosmic storylines because there's a, just a lot of something big is happening. It's going to destroy us. Why? Because it is. And that's about it. And everybody just kind of seems to understand and accept that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's the thing is because it's going to. Well, but there were the monitors and stuff I know. that were doing things, weren't they? But wasn't why? I don't, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I haven't exactly. read. All, I honestly hadn't read all of Crisis on Infinite Earth. I had all of Crisis, and I traded it for a set of Star Wars ten cards. You won, so I don't know if I did or not. But no. um, it and Crisis just to me was okay. Yes, they put all the DC guys and good guys and bad guys in a pot, and that's so to me. It seemed right. like it was, but George Perez art. I mean, you can't. You know, George Perez art. is amazing. Yeah, sir. yeah, absolutely. I won't take anything away from that. But uh, story wise, I wouldn't. So, but then superpowers came out, and that was the toy line tie-in. Yeah, but superpowers was tied into that cartoon. What is it? Cartoon? Superpowers. Yeah, the superpowers. I thought it was show. tied into the toy line. No, the the amazing superpowers show was yeah. a cartoon. It was the last incarnation of the Super Friends on Saturday mornings. But did so, they do that? So that I thought they did it for the toy line first, and then the. Was that is that not right? Mm-mm. I think it was. Uh, All I know is it was Jack Kirby right at the end of Jack Kirby, and it was bad Jack Kirby. The uh, okay. I, by the way, I just want to stop and thank uh, my friend Leah Edwards who has left me a Christmas present apparently out on the porch. <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> and I just see where she's in the chat here saying it's not flaming, is it? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Set up my ring the doorbell quick. Get out there. I need to. I need to Google that for you because I really do think the superpowers um, was the legendary superpowers super show. It was the Super Friends incarnation and 1984 to 1985. Well, and, that's about the time the comic came out, and it was produced to tie in with a toy line of the same name produced by Kenner. Okay, that's what I was thinking. Okay, yeah. So it the the toy came first and then the and then the Okay. Then the cartoon was produced to tie into that or maybe Dude, they were produced at the same time, if, I don't know. If this were dinner for geeks, yeah. We would stop the show until you admitted I was right. You you were right. <laughs> that's okay. I was wrong. That's okay. Oh, dinner for geeks, I would never get that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just stop it and it would never happen. Oh, so, so it's like I don't know what you're talking about. I yeah. agreed with you the whole time. <laughs> yeah. So, but no, I assume they kind of came out around the same time. I thought that's what that was about. Was well, there were two Superpower series. They did the first ones like the five-parter with Jack Kirby, and then they did a second one later. I don't know. But th- are those not meant to be like the Super Friends stuff? Like the I thought they were just meant to tie directly into that toy line. Because they're the really comic awful. books. They're awful. You're talking about a comic series. Yeah. I'm talking about a toy line. Yeah. I'm okay. talking about a comic series I to tie into the toy Okay, line. well, here's what I didn't realize, that there was a comic series called Superpowers. Yeah. In the same way, there was a Super Friends comic that was just kind of like a comic version of the cartoon. Yeah. And that's what Super, was DC that what Superpowers was? Uh, no, it was like Secret Wars in that it was a tie-in to the toys. It was just, let's put was, all these guys out but here. But what was the premise of the story? I don't really remember. Oh, <laughs> okay. Was there some <laughs> giant cosmic being that brought them all together on a patchwork world to no what do you know by the way and i know this conversation has gone on over the place but (laughs) what do you know about secret wars this thing that's coming out 
this coming year. Oh, the one, the new, the new one that's coming out. I don't know. I don't trust those guys these days. I like the. I saw some video that they were showing Battle World, mm-hmm. and basically they took story arcs and they plugged them into different land masses on this map that looked like a risk map. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so this is I don't understand. I didn't get what they were trying to do with that, mm-hmm. but like they're making a big deal about future imperfect. They're making a big deal about Days of Future Past. There are the AVX stuff, the House of M stuff. I think this is going to be like a time-spanning Secret Wars, maybe? Hmm. Or maybe Will Beyonder be involved in this? Uh, he should be. If he isn't, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not on board. He should be Jerry Curl and all. <laughs> he should have I'm the sorry. Jerry Curl. And the big oversized jacket. He it was a Michael Jackson like jacket. Yes, it, was. it really was. It, it was he was meant to be a white Michael Jackson. <laughs> he, was. he was he was a white Michael Jackson before Michael Jackson was. I I just took that shot at Christmas time. <laughs> That's right. I did. That's I go for the low hanging okay. fruit. Hey. I go for the low hanging fruit every time. Consider it stocking stuffer. This is why I'm an amateur. <laughs> so but anyhow. <laughs> Do you have some favorite moments from that original miniseries, Secret Wars? Uh, yeah, I do. I have Spider-Man, I think, is written wonderfully throughout. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a number of times where Spider-Man just steps up and is Spider-Man. And Spider-Man has the right thing to say at all times, which I love. You mean like in a quippy way? or Yeah, in a quippy way. Uh, he's always got the right smart aleck remark. Right. And I love... Usually I hate that out of any other character. Mm-hmm. When I'm watching The Abyss, I don't want to hear it. Right. But... With Spider Man, I think it's right. That's that's his brain and how it works. Well, there and there's a there's a scene where he takes on the whole X Men and yes. he doesn't like beat him, but he gets away. Yeah, like and they that's can't bad touch enough. him. Yeah. And Wolverine's embarrassed, right. when that happens, and he says so because uh, well, several people get away from the X Men. Right, right. X Men don't really X Men don't for look good coming out of this, do they? No, no. Going to take that Claremont guy down a notch. <laughs> but um, and and the other, I really I really liked. The way they played, spoiler alert, it's 30 years, right? I right, mean, we can yeah. talk about yeah, it now, right? It is 30. It has been. I'm glad we got this in before 2014 was over. <laughs> You're right. Um, the way they handled the death of the wasp, hmm. I really thought was terrific. I, I like that she befriended the lizard. Mm-hmm. I like that they wrote a bunch of very Janet Van Dyne character moments. Mm hmm. Uh, and then they took her out, and the next issue, they just dump her body. It was, again, not something you normally see in a right. kid's comic of the era where the bad guys just basically take her lifeless corpse and chuck it at the good guys and say, here, take this. Mm. And uh, I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. Moving. It was a big deal. I mean, yeah. the, the, her dying was a big deal. And because then, in 84, mm-hmm. you still weren't... Yeah. This, this idea of people dying and just willy-nilly coming back is relatively new. Yep. It really is. Yep. Because there are some characters who have died and still never come back. I mean, well, anymore, Captain Marvel. Well, but, but but at that time, who had died? Really? Who had died? Gwen Stacy. Uncle Ben had Uncle died. Ben. Gwen Stacy had died. And Captain Marvel, Marvel. Norman Osborn had died. Yes. Captain Marvel died. Yeah, right yeah, before then. Died. Right before mm-hmm. then. Of cancer of all uh, things. Of yeah, cankers, which is weird because you would think you'd just get Ambisol and you'd take care of that. No, it was cancer. I oh, said. cancer. I thought it said cankers. No, man. Come on. Um and but I mean Bucky. 
Bucky's dead Bucky, and Bucky yeah. ain't coming back. Right, right. Ever, right? Right. Bucky's never coming back. Well, not until this era <laughs> where people come back. Yeah, and then and then just a couple of years after this is really the start of that era where everybody comes back because they brought Jean Grey back. Because that's another one. Jean Grey was dead. And Jean, yeah, Grey, not, she, and Jean yes. Grey was not coming Phoenix, back ever. The Phoenix situation happened, the Dark Phoenix situation. And when they brought X-Factor in and they brought Jean Grey back to life for X-Factor, right. that's really like, when it was just all bets Everything's That's right. That's right. That's it. If we can bring back the Phoenix, we can bring back everybody. Right. And because so they that's did. And, and the one person this day that they haven't brought back yet is Marvell. Well, they, they didn't bring back Uncle Ben. No, or Uncle Ben. They that's tried true. to bring back Gwen Stacy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, y'all try to forget that. Though. I know, I know. They tried hard yeah. to bring back Gwen Stacy. Marvell, they've done the tease every now and again where it's like he's coming back and then it ends up being like a scroll or something. And I love it every time because it's like, don't bring him back, don't bring him back. Because he, even though his book was never a big seller, mm. he's he's revered, or he was for a while, revered as like the greatest of the heroes. You know, yeah. he like they always spoke very highly of him. And I always liked the fact there was someone that they always looked to to say we couldn't save him. We mm. miss him. We wish he were still here. And um, because that gets lost anymore now in, in a day and age where people just willy nilly come back and all. Batman's parents just brought him back, you know. It was just. Well, they hadn't done terrible. that in DC. <laughs> but not yet. Well, Jason no. Todd. Yeah, they know. brought Jason Todd back. Why not? Superman, of and course. And I'll tell you what, I think everybody who phoned that 900 number to kill Jason Todd should get their money. They should sue. To get their money DC back? To for get their, their money back. That's right. <laughs> for their, their whatever their it was. Cents calling, yeah. Call, yeah. <laughs> It's like, I paid 50 cents to kill this to guy. To see him die. And you bring him back? Yeah. What is your deal, DC What's Comics? wrong with you people? That's a great campaign that you could, <laughs> kind of a fake campaign to start. <laughs> Lawsuit. I wonder how many people really called it. Uh, a lot of people, I think. Yeah. yeah. That's I, what they say. I don't know. I, I, had, I was in college and I was broke. Oh, I wasn't about. I was a, I was a kid in, in like high school, junior high, and I wasn't about to be able to call it just to. Now, when I was in high school. Because it all went on the phone bill. Right. I didn't pay the phone bill. Right. Well. <laughs> when I was in high school, at Howard the Duck line, tomorrow's a new message from Howard the Duck. <laughs> I'm calling that sucker. I remember when Robin died, um, mm. it was on the news. I remember yeah. listening to it on the news on the way to school that morning. They mentioned it. And I was like, well, that's weird. Why are they doing that? Because I wasn't reading D.C., and then I found out, oh, it's not it's not really Robin, it's Jason Todd. You know, it's nah, not it's Robin's Nightwing. Kill him. Yeah, Robin's Nightwing now. Um but Superman dying was a was a big deal and I think a very well handled story. It's a day. good story. Yeah. But I think it was I think it 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 helped destroy the comics industry for a while. Oh sure. I mean that was the uh, the covers, the, the speculators right, went nuts. Right, right, right. Uh, but the story itself, and I've got all three of the graphic novels of that. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And that that whole reign of the Superman thing is good stuff. It's really good yeah. stuff. Yeah, the return, his return is is sandwiched yep. so well. That's what I'm saying. Is that you know, for as much of a as people perceive it as a money grab or whatever by DC, the story as a whole was handled so well, and they were no. very they were very serious about handling that story well. No, I agree with you, and I think it's good. It's it's the Dark Phoenix saga was really a well handled story. The death of Jean Grey, I don't know. Beyond that, I don't, you know, like I never read her return or anything to know how clunky her coming back was. Uh, they found her in an egg at the bottom of the ocean. No big deal. She was in an egg. That's weird. Bottom of the ocean. Like Mork from Mork? <laughs> Second Mork and Mindy reference. <laughs> <Kinda on like> <laughs> 
Hey, hang around with me long enough. There'll be a lot of more committee references, I promise you. As a wrestling fan, I can make a gobbledygooker reference, but I don't know if that'd go over your head or not. I don't know. I don't know. That they is. had for a long time. There was it was ninety one, I think, mm-hmm. leading up to Survivor Series, their Thanksgiving time pay per view. Uh, they had at all the arenas this huge egg they would carry around. It was going to hatch at Survivor Series, and it was like, "What's in the egg?" And people were speculating it'd be some big name wrestler coming up, showing up, you know, this, that, and the other. He pops open, and it's this dude in a turkey suit, <laughs> and he speaks in gobbledygook. And Gene Okerlund was the only person who could understand him. He's like, "Don't tell me you're the gobbledygooker." And he goes, "Mm-hmm." So the gobbledygooker, and it lasted all of like two weeks. But it's wow. still, yeah, it's still looked back on. Like people are booing their heads off when he comes out. Well, yeah, you know, that's, that's yeah, anticlimax. Right, that's like the right. dictionary definition of anticlimax. So Jean Grey is basically like the cousin of the gobbledygooker. Yeah, you know, it was. They, but they do that. But with her now, like to me, it's like okay, she's Phoenix. She can get by with it. The Phoenix Force. I'll give you that pass. Um, not the egg necessarily. Yeah. But but the coming back to life. Well, but, but again, but back then you didn't do that. And she was no, the one, really, right. to me. She's the one was, that started it, in your opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you did, you, you, what you did back then is you didn't bring them back. You just put somebody else in the suit. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. You ain't right. got somebody else. Okay, now you're right. Captain Marvel. Right. Now you're Bucky, Rick Jones. Now you're Bucky. Yeah. Rick Jones. Um, <laughs> Rick Jones, the perennial sidekick of the Marvel yes. Universe, who has not made it into a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, and that ticks me off he to no end. has he? Mm-mm. Nope. Well, when they make the Rom Space Knight movie, I will look forward to seeing Rom the Space Knight. Yes. He shows up in um well, he shows up in an, in the Annihilation story arc, the Annihilation Wave story arc that pre that predates it went on around the same time as Civil War, mm-hmm. but it's the space uh stuff oh. going on at that time. Annihilus is trying to come through and, and and because the universe is expanding, it expands into his negative zone. So he decides he's gonna wipe out the universe. But oh. Rom the Space Knight shows up there. Oh wow! Uh, there's kind of a half appearance of him in the Planet Hulk, um, straight DVD animated movie. Really? Yeah, yeah. Huh. So you got some things to look for. There now. you go, Rom, Rom the Space Knight. Look him That's up, right. everybody. There's your homework from Geek Out Loud. Speaking of toy tie-ins that were created, <laughs> man, that didn't go anywhere, did it? Well, no. The, I mean, the series lasted a while. The series did, but the toy line. The toy was line. No, the series outlasted the toy. Yeah. Bill Mantlo. Oh the, yeah, that's uh, who did. I think he was the guy who wrote yeah. that. Yeah. Unfortunately for him, you know, he had his his run-ins with the uh, injury. Yeah. He's in a nursing home now. So. Oh, bless his heart. Yeah. Well, Rick Jones was in that one. Yeah. He as was, well, he. he was I mean, Rick Jones wrong. started out as the Hulk sidekick yep. way back in the day. He was like Bucky too for a yep. while with yep. Captain America. He was with Rom, the Space yep. Knight. He was back with the Hulk. Um, you know, there was a couple episodes, uh, issues of Michelinie Star Wars where Chewie wasn't there and Rick, Rick Jones, Jones stepped over. in. Yeah. yeah. Just stepped stepped right in, in with Han Solo. Yeah. Fit right in, didn't yes, he? Yes. <laughs> He's all over the Marvel Universe. <laughs> I'm surprised he wasn't on Battleworld. <laughs> hey, we're also in, in Secret Wars. Something that not, a lot of people don't talk about is we're introduced to that new Spider Woman. Yes. Which is where the, the inspiration for the black Spider Man costume comes from. That's the only reason I can see she's in that book. Yeah. Where did she end up going or coming from? I mean, did she, she was from around? Denver. She was from Denver. She was in a few other things after that. Yeah. But not, I mean, here's the thing about, I think a lot of this is trademark stuff. Mm-hmm. I think they have to do, you know, they have to use a spider woman. Right. At some point, they have to use that name. Yeah, but they didn't use, what's her name? Jessica Drew? Is that the actual? Yeah, well, I think Jessica Drew couldn't sell books. So let's try this. Yeah. You know, Jessica Drew's spider woman, she had a book, ran what, like 50 issues right. or something. and. And never was a big seller. Let's try this. Let's maybe this will take off. And then they had 
was they had a little kid be Spider Woman at well, some point. Spider Girl. No, 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 not Spider Girl. There was a there was a Spider Woman in regular continuity. Really? Yeah, she was like uh, she was like Jonah Jameson's niece or something. What What was her costume? Just like big boots. Okay. And, uh, like a vest and huh? That must have been goggles. The, must have been in the nineties. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was like early two thousands. Jubilee, I think. the Jubilee version. Of it was Spider Woman. It was. It was like in the two thousands. I think she was like. I don't uh, remember that. No, yeah, I remember. But this, what was this lady's name from Denver? Though that's my question. Is that's what I can't really remember. Um, because she came out of nowhere. Yes. You know. And and you find out that part of Earth had been transferred to Battle World with all the because what the Beyonder did is he created a planet made of a bunch of pieces of other planets. Yes, for exactly. those of you wondering, and um, and and so apparently Colorado got sucked into the uh, yeah because Volcana and uh, and her buddy Moose were uh, also yeah, from Colorado. Moose? I think. Why do you call her Moose? Well, he kept making fat jokes about her, and you know the sad thing is I didn't think well she Volcana that was the fat one. They make oh jokes. yeah, she yeah. was yeah you're right. Her Skeeter Skeeter yes, yeah who became right. Titania. They kept making jokes about uh, Volcano. I didn't think she was that fat. Now Titania stuck around a while. Did like, she? Like her and Absorbing Man, their little love story kind of became a thing for the longest time. Yeah. Like yeah, and she was dressed. I, I will tell you, if anybody had any input on her costume, it was John Byrne. Villains in love. Boy, I tell you what, he was into. He she was into looked like leather and spikes. Yeah, and that's all yes. John Byrne all day. Looked like uh, looked like one of Rocky's bracelets that he bought in Rocky. Two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to find the issue. Where did this woman show up? Um, with this thing, Johnny falls in love with the, one of those healers as well, as much as Colossus does. Johnny Storm, of course. Johnny Storm's a ladies' man. He's always well, well, going to be no, but he falls in love with the same girl. Oh, and love Colossus triangle. says I can't be with her because she loves Johnny. Right, and then she starts like not because I'm Ill. married to Kitty Pride. No, no, none of that. But then she starts to fall ill, and he's like Johnny. He's like oh, I feel for her, and I should run to her, but I know she wants Johnny. Johnny, go get her. He's like, yeah, send me a postcard. <laughs> Johnny has nothing to say for her. I don't know, Johnny. Didn't Johnny like she and Johnny have a little makeout session at yeah, some point? Yeah, but then later, he's like, whatever. I don't need her. Well, he was always kind of a womanizer. Yes. This jerk. What a jerk. <laughs> Where does that lady come in? I'm thumbing through really Maddie quickly. Maddie Franklin. That was the Spider Woman I was talking about. Okay. But Julia Carpenter is your Spider Woman from uh, from Secret, Secret Wars. Wars. Yeah. And where did she? Uh, that's my question. Is whatever happened? Did she have superpowers? She was around. Uh, yeah, she's you know. And yeah, they she was actually appeared in one of Maddie Franklin's issues. Okay. But uh, and we're back to Jessica Drew now in current continuity, right? Yes. But you know there can be two, and there's no copyright law in in the, in the Marvel universe. universe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Spider-Man always kind of joked about it. Yeah, that's true. He's that's like, true. I never get paid any royalties by these people. I know there was one. I, I'm trying to think of when it was that I was reading. Might have been during Secret Invasion, and he was talking about Spider Woman. He's like, another one. He's like, I never get any royalties off of this gig. <laughs> but yeah, they've. Uh, Maddie Franklin was, in, was the other Spider Woman nobody talks about because they, they put her out at the same time that there was all this fight for the life of the Spider Girl book. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember, like every two months, they, oh, we're canceling Spider Girl. No! Yeah. Little May Parker, yeah. And, I, and did you ever read that? No. I, I, what, a, mm. what a great book. Was it good? What a wonderful. It was just. It's like, hey, if Lee and Ditko 
did Spider-Man and Ditko never left the book and they just did Spider-Man the way they had always done Spider-Man for those yeah. first whatever issues forever. That was Spider-Girl. Nice. It was a wonderful book. Huh. Wonderful old school Marvel book. I never I never read it. Um <clears throat> I know that um that a lot of people dug it. Oh yeah. And I forget why they let it I mean, I guess the sales weren't great. It just never sold well. Again, we're all over the place, but let me ask you this. (laughs) This whole move to cancel the Fantastic Four, do you think that's about book sales or do you think it's about movie rights? Um, I I think five years ago I would have thought it was about book sales, Mm -hmm. but I think there is a part of it that's about movie rights. Here's the thing. Marvel or Disney has not done anything to help push any Marvel franchise they don't own. Right. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. There were no X-Men Days of Future Past action figures. Right. There were Avengers action figures. Right. There really were not any Amazing Spider-Man, Sony Amazing Spider-Man figures or play sets. Okay. There were Spider-Man stuff, comic-based. Right. Um, they, they have deliberately, in fact, they've not helped out with X-Men at all. Right. Um, and, and so I think there has been this little secret war. Between Sony and Marvel (laughs) for a little while now. Part of it was, if you recall, they were trying to get Daredevil back and couldn't. Yeah. And then. No, 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 no. They wound up getting Daredevil back. What they wanted, what it was, was they wanted Silver Surfer. Oh, you're right. And they were going to say, keep the rights to Daredevil if you let us have it. And they said, no, we'll we'll give you back Daredevil. Yeah, that's right. You're absolutely right. So now, what's going to happen on Netflix is they're going to look at Fox, give them the double bird, and say, look what we did with Daredevil. Mm -hmm. I really yep. do think that's going to be what happens. Yep. I think you're right on that. So, I, yeah, I think there's a little fight there. And, again, you go back to – I mean, you look at the X stuff, first class. There's mm-hmm. no toy line for first class. No, not that I can think of off the um, top of my head. Is there anything – let me ask the chat because I've ignored the chat greatly tonight. What? Yeah. Uh, is Was there any Amazing Spider-Man stuff, guys, uh, from Amazing Spider-Man 2? or? I don't think there was um, a toy line. I don't either. I don't, I don't know. And of course, everyone's talking about what was left on my doorstep. Everyone's <laughs> wondering if it was a baby. No, it wasn't a baby. <laughs> uh, anyhow, um, I don't, I think you're right because I don't remember there being an Amazing Spider-Man no, two toy line. No, my understanding of the whole thing is that they have they have deliberately not done anything to support them. Wow. Well, so now. That's a good. That's a good point you make, and I can't say that I blame them. You know what I'm saying? Like I can't yeah. say that I blame Disney for doing that. Like everyone's acting like the. Like I think some people look and say that's evil. That's evil. That's evil. But it also seems a little bit counterintuitive. I mean, you make some money, son. You know, it's like just make money however you can. Yeah. You know. But at the same time, they want they want their universe. Yeah. I mean, oh come on, putting Spider Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Come on. Uh, you, at this point. In Come time. on! At this point in time, you would blow up. <laughs> you would blow up movie theaters How could everywhere. You, I mean, yeah, things would explode. Yeah, things. Yeah. You would wake up and things like your fingernails would explode. Yeah. Just everything would explode because of this. Yeah, I. You know, I mean, to be able to see a thing Hulk fight on screen. Ah! Uh, <laughs> come on! <laughs> I would now, explode. See, this is, My brain would explode. So if you're now the guy who owns everything, yeah. except for the film rights to this, this, and this, but wouldn't you play hardball? Yeah, but so many times though, 
I mean, obviously, if if they have these characters back, they're going to make more money off of them than they do with the licensed out sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I get that, but at the same, so I I don't think that any of it is is a creative thought process. I think it's all money process. I don't think there's anything that goes into well creatively this would be cool. No, no, no. I think you're right. Yeah. Although although I think the creative guys are saying creatively this would be cool. Oh sure. But I don't think they're the strategy makers. I think it's the guys going because look, that's the other thing. Is they can you can have a Fantastic Four movie bomb mm-hmm. and then five years later or three years later you can put out a new Fantastic Four movie and it says Marvel on it. Right. That that red rectangle with the white lettering mm-hmm. on it, means something now to, to moviegoers. Oh, I think if Kevin Feige and company got their hands on Spider-Man, Spider-Man would once again be the Marvel's flagship superhero. Absolutely would be. But look, I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound blasphemous. Oh, gosh. Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. I enjoy very much. Yeah. Bought it on 3D Blu-ray. Oh, cool. But Guardians of the Galaxy does not have that red and white Marvel on the top of it at the beginning. It does not make the money it made. It doesn't. Oh no! I definitely agree. It's some weirdo no. movie. It's the fifth element. I agree. Except fun. I agree. You're, no, no, no. I don't think that's blasphemous at all. I think that Marvel had built up so much goodwill with yeah. everybody that when they put out a trailer that says from the people that brought you Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, and the Avengers, that people were like, You're "Oh, welcome. I'll go see that." Yeah, yeah. you know. So they could kill. You could have a lot of other franchises. You couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. You couldn't put out a bunch of bad movies. And right. Then, you know, resurrected immediately, but right. Marvel could do that because yeah. all they would do, well, this time we did it. Right. And oh, oh, yeah. Well, and I think that's the thing. I think you've got to have, uh, they've got enough goodwill built up with them. Uh, listen, the first Iron Man built up, built up enough goodwill <laughs> with Marvel Studios to, to begin to do stuff like this. And I just think, you know, they've got a good plan moving forward for the next few years. You know, um, they've obviously got some creative things in play. Good for them. I I would love to see Feige and Company get their hands on the Fantastic Four in a now, big bad way. Feige and Company get their hands on Fantastic Four mm-hmm. and Spider Man mm-hmm. and the X Men. Mm-hmm. Now, Secret Wars, baby. Secret Wars. You better believe it, son. <laughs> you know it. Well, I would be excited for them to get their hands on the Fantastic Four stuff just to get the Silver Surfer thrown in the mix in the Infinity War stuff they're doing because oh, he right. belongs right. there. He belongs in that. But I'll tell you this: it's too late. Oh, I, 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 yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's moving forward. Right. You got directors sure. on board. You got a script. Sure. Yeah, and that's sad. And that probably is why they did go and ask them for the Silver Surfer. Yeah. Now that you mention it, yeah, that's probably is why they went to him. Hey, yeah. we kind of need Silver. Yeah, Surfer. Yeah, this would be great to have. He belongs there. Yeah. He was my introduction. I know Thanos was you know introducing that one Avengers annual or whatever. I think maybe he was before that. But my introduction to Thanos came in the pages of the Silver Surfer in the nineties, mm-hmm. and um. And he was someone not to be trifled with. No. You know, I got introduced to Thanos as he was making his move for the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. So it's really cool to see this whole story arc play out on the screen because it hits a spot in my childhood, you know, that matters to me. Well, what I like about it, too, is that they're not using a storyline from two years ago. Oh, right. I mean, that's... Until you get to Captain America Civil War. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, see, that's the one thing that frustrates me. And even that, even that's like seven years ago, man. Think about that. don't... Yeah, that's when I quit buying Marvel regularly. Uh, but that's one of the things that kind of frustrates me about the Marvel films. Love them. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. But there's so many rich veins to mine that they've just kind of skipped past yeah. to get to their new stuff. Right. And seven years ago is their new right. stuff. But uh, it, where's Demon in a Bottle? They I kinda, want Demon in a Bottle. Iron Man 2 was kind of that. You know, yeah. not really, though. <laughs> well, because you had Justin Hammer and you had him dependent on a substance. But um, I'd love to see... 
Um, yeah, I'm like you. I'd love to see some of those. They could have done the Corvac quest with the Avengers, you know, and 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 which was just as epic and groundbreaking and everything as you know, as far as just all the stuff they went through with him back in the day. Um, but there is a lot of there are a lot of rich veins to mine, and I don't think they're through mining them. I hope not. you know. I think I think the Infinity War is just kind of their swan song for this part of things, and then that's when you'll start seeing the Bond moves of recasting these main characters. Mm-hmm. And that I was thinking about that today. That's kind of an exciting premise, yeah. Because what you know, what it, it's almost like when a new artist comes into a book at that point. Yeah, good point. You know, and I, I think it's going to be exciting to see what they do when they do end up because they're going to have to. Yeah, you know, not because of age or anything. As, as sure, that's part of it, but because some of these guys, like Chris Evans, he doesn't really want to act anymore. He says he wants to go be a director. Great. Yeah. I really want to direct. How, how cool would it be, though? Mm-hmm. To have Chris Evans direct a Captain America film where there's just someone else playing Captain America. I would America. like to see Chris Evans direct a Captain America film where Captain America's eating at Bob Evans. And that's it. That's the only thing that happens in the movie. It's meta, man. That is meta. <laughs> just, I don't know. I'm so meta. So, yeah. You've got me geeking out hardcore over here now talking about Bob Evans. <laughs> I mean, does it get geekier than Bob Evans? I don't know if it does. Well, I don't think so either. <laughs> I just always associate Bob Evans with old people for some reason. I don't know why. Blue plate special. <laughs> That's right. Hey, we have one of those in my cafe. <laughs> so, surprisingly enough, there are mustard greens and corn, and I mean turnip greens and cornbread upon I'm, it. I'm not <laughs> surprised. Oh man, but uh, no, I, 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 I mean, I would love to be able to see. I think it'd be. I think it's going to be interesting when this Fox Fantastic Four comes out. That if it should flop, and I, I'm saying if, I mean, I hope I have to eat my words on everything yeah. that I'm thinking. I hope it just blows my mind and that we're, we've been fed a bunch of misinformation and that Josh and that I'm not going to be scared for the future of Star Wars and all this other stuff. <laughs> um, but oh, that's right. Trank's doing a Star Wars yeah. uh, fill-in movie. Yeah. Yeah. But if it should flop, I think it's going to be interesting to see what what Fox wants to do with it. Because because Fox has been known to be kind of jerkish in the way they handle things to a to a huge extent. True. To where it almost in my mind where they'll almost hang on to something just out of spite it seems like. Mm. Especially if Rothman is I don't think he's in charge up there anymore, is he? No. Uh, Tim Rothman? No. Anyhow, when he was in charge, Peter yeah. Chernin was there, and he's yeah. not there anymore either. I don't think. So I just, I it just to me, I look and I think, well, you know, what the possibilities could be, even with, even with as much time or as little time as they have between now and the time we get to Infinity War, because I also feel like that should the Silver Surfer become available, that they be that Marvel Studios is the type of studio that will say, we can get him in there, Wait, we can, <laughs> we can make this happen. <laughs> I mean, they filmed the shawarma scene after the world premiere of the Avengers, for crying out loud. That's true. That's true. Good point. (laughs) So if you can film the shawarma scene after the world premiere and still get it into movie theaters, you can stick Silver Surfer in. But you know, this is an era, and I don't know that it's really been fully tested, but you know, this is an era where the digital film, you could could be working on a film up until five minutes before you got to transmit That's true. You know? That's true. Uh, There's no telling what you could slip in at the last instant. Yeah. It'd be great. Even better is if they went and did a clue where they randomly gave three different endings oh my to the gosh, Avengers. Yes. 
it's gonna I, it's it's gonna be a fun ride as far as Marvel goes over the next couple of years. And I'm like you, if they could get those properties back under, I feel like Secret Wars is a no brainer. You know, even mm-hmm. if you have to figure out a different premise to start having the Secret Wars, you know, but whatever. The, I just yeah. say go for it. Just go for it with the Beyonder. You know, I just. They won't. Do it. No, they wouldn't. And I don't blame them. You know, I wouldn't blame them for not doing so. And they do Secret Wars too. The Beyonder is going to come down here and he's going to dress like Jay Z. Yeah, no Jerry Curl. He's going to no. be, sh- yeah, you're right. right. Be bald headed guy. I would, I have said it many times, I'd like to see an animated version done well Ooh. of the Secret Wars. They could still do that. Yeah, they could, I think. Rights wise, they're I fine. think so. Yeah. I think so. Didn't they try to do that a little bit in like the Spider Man? Animated series from the 90s. They did a lot of stuff. You know, they were fairly ambitious. I thought that was a pretty good... Uh... It was, but if you turn it on at the beginning and you saw, like, part eight, and yeah, you're like, oh, my true. gosh. <laughs> but that was ambitious. Right, but it was never... Re- but you, it made you feel like you were stepping in the middle of something, but sometimes you really weren't, you know? <laughs> it's like, I don't understand anything. But they were doing, like... They really... It was really a comic book mm-hmm. Cartoon because yep. like they had these subplots and everything that would yeah you know build to a point and and then a theme by Joe Perry yeah and then theme and then Venom shows up and everything gets venomized again uh, what are you gonna do well get rid of Venom I think <laughs> well man we've been talking for a while I don't know how much of Secret Wars we actually covered I didn't I didn't Secret nec- Wars yeah that what we're here for right right sorry I didn't necessarily want to sit down and go panel by panel though you know. <laughs> <laughs> tapping your watch. No, I'm tapping my Fitbit. Oh, okay. See how many steps I got during the show. None. Oh, sorry. <laughs> We've been sitting on our fat tails the oh, whole time. That's right. Darn it. Oh, so, well, let's, uh, as we're wrapping up here, Scott, tell us about your projects online. Because oh, I know God. you love, I, we've talked about Nintendo for Geeks, but I love my Star Wars story. I really my do. My Star Wars story is like my passion project. And um, it really is the show a project for Star Wars fans the star wars generation uh we go i go out and and interview people uh name people non-name people uh anybody who has an an affinity for an attachment to star wars and i get their entire story from start to finish and uh, i do it monthly because it just takes that much time to do it um but i'm doing that i'm actually working with the two true freaks network on a couple of programs we're doing a thing called growing up star wars yeah which is all star wars nostalgia and i loved i how can you not love sitting down talking about old Star Wars stuff? Uh, dude, we <laughs> the other night on the on the Christmas show, Matt Crowder ended up calling in. I hadn't talked to him in a while, and we got to just talking about toys in general from that era. Yeah. Oh. And I just it I start going off on a tangent the same way I do with the comic book stuff. I just yeah. start. Oh, I remember issue three seventy five. I love it. So we do that, and I got we've got a uh, Walt Disney World podcast. I'm doing with Scott Gardner over there yeah. called Earning My Ears. Okay. And it is all about and and it's got a geeky angle to it in every episode. The focus is Walt Disney World for the so-and-so geek. Oh, okay. Like we did Walt Disney World for the comics geek. Right. You don't know it, but there are different places where, as part of the theming and part of the background, there are real comic book covers. Hmm. In restaurants, on walls oh, wow. and attractions, and cool. that kind of thing. So we talked about a lot of that kind of thing. We did uh, for the RPG geek, this most recent episode, for the Christmas geek. Oh, Which nice. I think we should all be Christmas geeks. I think we should too. But uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Love to do it. And uh, you know, anybody wants to jump on board, feel free to. And if you want to, if you want to be on my Star Wars story, you don't have to have any credentials other than really loving Star Wars. 
So you can send it to story at mystarwarsstory.com to send me your contact info. The, the only problem I will warn you is I have a really long waiting list. When, when this started coming out... You've got like 15 people right now, don't you, lined up? I have... I have five episodes out. I have six other interviews that are not released and in the can. Oh, wow. I'm recording three more interviews Monday. Hmm. And I have probably at this point, after those three more interviews, probably 15 more people in line. The line keeps growing. Random question. Yes. Do you do all the voiceovers and stuff for your stuff? Yeah. Okay. It's Because it's <laughs> amazing. Because like, like, I'm sitting there like, is that Scott doing that? Like when you're like... Thank you for listening to my. Star- I'm like. Is Thank that- you for listening to my Star Wars. Story. Okay, see, I can hear it now, yeah. but on there, I'm like, is that Scott? Because he's yeah. really he's laying on that broadcast. Hey, thanks for <laughs> listening to Star my Star Wars story. I, I mean, You're not that way. I'm just saying, like, that'd be like how I would lay it on. Hey, like, thank you for listening right. to my Star Wars story. <laughs> That's how I would end up. Like, yeah. People are like, I need you to sound more broadcaster. Well, everyone, hey, hey. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the show. You need you need to get the kids on Riley and Bethany Blanton. I, on that, yeah, I would love they, to I listen to the be, Star Wars report a lot. They would be fascinating because they are prequel generation yeah, kids. Yeah. yeah, they they were introduced via the Phantom Menace. Yeah, like Star Riley's Wars. in college now, right? Yeah, yeah, they're both in college doing some college okay. stuff. Yeah, they live like twins, but they're not. They're not. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Well, they do things like twins. You know how twins always end up doing kind of the same thing at the same time in their life? Yeah. She's a little bit older than Riley, but they still live like twins. Interesting. Yeah, I have to, they're they're fun. I love those kids. They're, do you want do you want to uh do you want to hold for a second and go get the thing out? See, so would you like me to do some soft shoe while you get the thing so you can tell everybody what it was that was left at your door? Oh no, it's just candy. Oh, yeah, okay. it's corn. It's what we call cornflake candy. It's really good. Hmm, I love it. It's one of my favorite things. It's a cornflake candy Christmas. That's I think right. Dolly Parton did that. I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> uh, but Dolly Parton did do a cover of Lay Your Hands on Me. No, she didn't. Yeah. Made it a gospel song. Oh, wow. Not a fan. No. And I'm and I love Jesus. <laughs> okay. So I'm, which part of this equation was the fail? That's right. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, I love Jesus, but I don't think you should be making Lay Your Hands on Me a, a gospel song. Well, did you, I was in uh, Dollywood one day. Yeah. Just hanging out in Dollywood just, one day. Just there. I just woke up one day and said, we're going to Dollywood. Well, next time you're in Dollywood, stop by next the Grand in Pigeon Forge, home of the floating sausage. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Hey, where'd you get that um, bird? I, I, no, I did. We went to Dollywood. We... We go to Indiana every other year. Mm-hmm. I don't say that proudly. No. Well, and uh, Daniel, <laughs> Daniel and Indy. Uh, no, I, actually, I really like Indianapolis, but we we didn't traditionally go to Indianapolis. We went to a town called Jasonville that Daniel has never heard of because it's that tiny. Like one year we went and they were like, "Oh, subway just opened up. We got subway. You want to go to subway? Quick! Hey, there's a subway down there." And that was like they went berserk because there was a subway. Now there are twenty five hundred subways in this country, right? They open one in Jasonville, and people go berserk. Well, that's how... Listen, uh, you open a... Our huddle house closed down in Hazelhurst. <laughs> <laughs> when the new one opens, uh-huh. it's going to be a madhouse. Okay. <laughs> same thing. Same thing. But, um, so, what the hell was I talking about? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> the, we go every other... Indiana. Yeah, You're going to Indiana. Other, to, to Indiana. Mm-hmm. And, but because it is a two-day drive to Indiana... Yeah. And I really don't want to stay a really long time in Indiana. Right, right. We find things to do along the way, so we stop somewhere every time. Yes. And we stopped at Dollywood. There we, you go. That's where we were Pigeon at. Pigeon Forge. Yeah. Yes. Gotcha. Stayed in Pigeon Forge. We're back. 
And we're back. I wasn't. I was I'd lost my train of thought. We were, I was getting you there. Um, we stayed at Pigeon Forge and we went over there and they they have a have you ever been to Dollywood? No, I went to the water park one time. <laughs> oh, Daniel hates me too. There is nothing worse than seeing someone of my stature walk around shirtless at a water park. They need to let fat people wear shirts on those water slides. <laughs> well, Dollywood is it's neat. It's a nice it's a nice sure, park. Sure. But they have a section that is just like Dolly's area. Mm. And they have her tour bus there. Oh. And they have a loop of Dolly mm-hmm. Parton songs playing. Yeah. She's a sweet, personable lady. And as they're playing the loop, I get closer and I'm like, I'm not hearing what I'm hearing. And I got closer and I realized I was hearing what I was hearing. What were you hearing? Stairway to Heaven. <sighs> Which I'm sure was also turned into a gospel song in some way. <laughs> Dolly doing Stairway to Heaven. And it was uh, it wasn't pretty. Mm. You okay? Well, you know how much I hold Led Zeppelin in high esteem. <laughs> I don't know if you know how much I hold Led uh, Zeppelin. I know high you esteem. hold the Bon Jovi's in high esteem as yeah. well. Well, Ze- I mean, to me, it does get better than Led Zeppelin. Mm. Like you can't the Led Zeppelin. Led, I love Led Zeppelin. And I know that everyone and their mama has covered Stairway. I get it. I get that. But I... And I don't have anything against Dolly Parton. Like I say, every time I've ever seen her in any interview or anything she's done, she's come across just one of the sweetest, nicest people you ever want to be around. But there's no sense in that. No. There's no sense in that, Dolly. Oh, you should have heard it. I know. I shouldn't have. But <laughs> you now... You should have heard it. Well... Now you got to find it. By God... It's I'm there. glutton for punishment, Scott. I promise you. I'm glutton for punishment. Let me see here. We'll just do this here. The old, let me Google that for you. Uh, Dolly Parton. Stare. When I come on Geek Out Loud, we're doing an entire episode on straight talk. <laughs> <laughs> on my show? What's tra- <laughs> I don't know. It's the name of my show, maybe. My morning show, yeah. Oh, this crowd. They love it. They love her. You hear that love? Uh, I w- it went I mean, away real fast. I would applaud for Dolly. I, I mean, I feel like she's worthy of my applause. Well, the song's already started, though. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Now, Steve, you don't hate listen. You that's why. I, that's why I stopped. <laughs> you don't hate listen, well, Steve. Sometimes things might surprise you. Might be, hey, I, I genuinely like this. No, but I, no, I, not there. That's why I, I stopped. To warn you. That's why. Well, I had to see for myself. Okay. You know, it's like when Luke goes into the cave. Yeah. You know, only what you take with you. Well, I'm <laughs> taking my lightsaber and my gun. Your Google. You will not need. That's it. right. Yeah. Oh yeah, I will. <laughs> I need to know. So I got to I got to know. Uh, it's like that guy on the, at the beginning of, of Dirty Harry when he's just laid out. He's yeah. like, I got man, I got to, to know. Me. So that's what to that's where punk. I was at. That's where I was at. So uh, um, I'm sorry about that. But Dollywood's a really neat place. Yeah, I will say that. Otherwise, besides well, that, well, I've been to the water park. <laughs> I forget what it's called. I don't. It's across from Dollywood. It she. It's yes. a part of Dollywood yes. USA, but it's a big part of Dollywood. Yeah, and uh, and and. 
There was Mamre moments. Canyon or something? Is that what it's called? Uh, Mamre Canyon. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, that's it, huh? <laughs> Playing you out. <laughs> You can email us at geekoutonline at gmail.com. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. Hey, head over to patreon.com slash geekoutloud if you want to support us directly. We greatly appreciate all that. Look for the Avengers uh, commentary coming early in the month of January to those of you at $5 level or more. Scott Riefen's still laughing over there. Don't take a sip of your drink when you're laughing. You'd end up on me and the equipment. I don't need any spit takes in the Star Wars room. I'm not Danny Thomas, sir. <laughs> Oh, man. Facebook.com slash geekoutloud. Don't forget the Amazon links at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com. Click on those things and do your Amazon shopping with all your cool Amazon gift cards that you got for Christmas. I hope you did have a great Christmas. Scott, thank you so much, man. I've had a blast. Steve, I lo- I, I'm moving in. Come on. <laughs> I love it here. <laughs> Pick them up. <laughs> so- you're welcome. You're welcome anytime, dude. You know I that. Even, I don't have to be on the show. I'm just moving. Okay. It's nothing to do with the show. <laughs> well, you're welcome anytime. You know that. And uh, appreciate you. Check out my Star Wars story, Dinner for Geeks, Earning My Ears, and uh, Star Growing Up Star Wars. All things that Scott Reifner are a part of. Most of those are on the Two True Freaks Network. Don't be like Ron. Learn how to download podcasts. <laughs> I hope everyone has a great new year. We got a lot of fun things coming up for the Goaliverse in the new year, and we'll let you know those know about those as they get closer and things start happening. Guys, thanks so much for joining us live at mixer.com slash Goaliverse. Until next time for Scott Rifen, I'm Steve Glosson. We'll see you on the next Geek Out Loud. From the end of-